during the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pressures and colors of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. I don't have any bread right around me, but I think you're right. You can, um, you can actually, uh, I believe, flaxseed oil, which is a natural oil, uh, cats are also attracted to. So you can actually coat shit with flaxseed oil. Uh, flaxseed oil actually helps with, um, uh, with like arthritis and stuff like that. It actually uh, gets stuck in between your joints. I believe it's uh, flaxseed oil. So in terms of water memory, um, aside from the Dr. Emoto experiment, and um, I believe it was uh, Luc Montagnier who was doing, are you aware of those experiments? And can you speak a little bit further to them? And yeah. what in general? When, when we look at Emoto's uh, experiments, um, it was mostly geared to uh, adding the, those words to freezing ice and looking at different ice crystals and stuff like that. Uh, Emoto also has a large facility um, where he does a lot of uh, hydrogen technology, um, splitting uh, the water molecule and, and just separating its, its, its components. Um, so as far as I know, the structured water you're talking about with Emoto is referencing the energy uh, that water can hold. So when you put the word love there, it'll show a certain type of crystal. When you use the word hate or evil, it'll show a different crystal. Um, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay, well, that's, that's not restructuring anything. That's just adding intent and um, adding energy. So that goes for any molecule, anything in, in the universe, so to speak. Uh, so that was Emoto's, um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, intent and in, in what he was trying to show the world, that uh, energy um, isn't anything. And through uh, uh, proper energy um, or positive thoughts, we can produce positive things. Um, so I think where that goes, when, when you talk about structured water, um, structured water, uh, the technology and, and the concept of it is basically how nature restructures water. So uh, water is the only uh, thing we know of that can hold all three properties, so gas, solid, liquid. Uh, and it can change from one to the other at any given moment. Uh, it is the only of its kind. Uh, so in nature, um, we got rainwater. Rainwater is basically distilled water. Uh, depending on how contaminated your air is, is if it's going to turn the rain into acid rain uh, because distilled water is a solvent and it's pulling everything out of the air. So it's cleaning the air, putting it into the water. Uh, when the rain hits the ground, uh, it starts at the top of the mountain and works its way down. So on its way down to the bottom of the mountain, it's also picking up, leaching, whatever it hits. So now you can actually take this drop of water and you can tell everything it hit because there's a trace of everything it touched. That's water memory. 
I have an interesting question. Um, so I, I think I posted a thread about this on Twitter, I don't know, maybe a year ago, uh, and it had to do with uh, water and plastics. And so uh, it, it had a lot to do with Bitcoin. So my assertion was, in the future, um, our current generation will basically be remembered by the plastic sediment layer that we leave behind. Uh, and really landfills, especially the type of landfills we have today where everybody throws all their trash in them. Um, I, I'm sure it'll be an, a great archeological find in the future, but when it comes to water, um, does water, I guess, break down plastics, absorb plastics, maybe even you know, decompose the plastics or you know, uh, does water not really do that at all when it comes to plastics? Okay. Um... So I'm going to try to understand this question. So what I'm assuming you're talking about is microplastics. Okay, these very minute. Okay, so um, when we talk about landfills, okay, a landfill at the, at the end of the day, people, is just a big hole that they go and dump a bunch of shit on top of, into, and then they spray some chemicals, and then they cap it. Every landfill that I know of is just a cesspool of all types of bacteria, compounds, and none of them are good for the environment. Um, so you can go to any landfill and all you got to do is look around the landfill and you could see rainwater just spreading out, killing everything around it because of those contaminants. Okay. So now let's get to the microplastics. Um, as a filter, water doesn't filter anything. Um, it's, it, it's not porous, and there's no real way to use it that way. Um, you could make it into an ice and break it up really fine, run some water through it, and the little bit of hardness that it finds, it may, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but what you're talking about is microplastics. So the biggest producer of microplastics is laundry. So your, your garments that are made of polyester, Okay, all this plastic, when you wash it, gets broken down into these microfibers, and then it gets washed out into our waterways. So uh, because of the invention of these microfibers and uh, garments and clothing and whatever, uh, household goods and everything like that, that goes through the wash, uh, these microplastics end up in all waterways. So when you look at fish and aquatic life and all of this, because of the harm that we've already been doing for, I don't know, 100 years, so to speak, um, now we're seeing the effect of it. Because now you can cut anything. You can cut open a plant. You can cut open any fish. You can bottom feed or whatever the case is, and you will find microplastics in there. Wow. I had no idea. Uh, and when it comes to the microplastics, is it really thanks to... Uh clothing where the fabrics are made out of plastics like polyester and not necessarily cotton that does that well cotton does cotton's a natural thing so no matter what if you put cotton fiber on the ground it's going to biodegrade naturally these plastics they just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller like unless you actually process it properly by melting it down turning it back into uh, crude or whatever the case may be and then recycling it proper into something else, and then yes. But as long as people wear polyester, and as long as, you know what, um, polyester garments and the polyester industry um, 
is booming or is in effect creating business, doing business, we will always have microplastics. And how do we get rid of it? It's, it's almost impossible because when you look at just filtration, uh, the micron size that you would have to make these filters to filter, you would need a large amount of pressure just to be able to push whatever substance through these filters. So now you're looking at time, energy, you're looking at a lot of things to get rid of all multi, get rid of nothing, because it's still everywhere. Um, still on the same vein of microplastics, um, I live in Baltimore, and the city just banned uh, not just plastic straws, but also plastic bags. Um, there's not even the option to have the thicker plastic bags that some of these cities are offering after they ban disposable plastic bags. Um, in regards to any of these laws, do you think any of them have any effect whatsoever at actually helping microplastics? Just no, no, no. <laughs> At the end of the day, everything you just stated um, is a ploy to profit. I mean, if you look at, just look at sanitation in itself, look at these processing companies, you know, um, you want to see something crazy? Um, uh, type in computer waste, uh, Africa. Um, so all throughout the 70s and 80s, all those huge desktop computers, they really couldn't stick in landfill, so they sent them over to Africa and they just dropped them off. So now in Africa, you have these countries that actually, the, their biggest, um, um, their main uh, way to make income is actually uh, processing the gold and the precious metals that are in all these computer chips um, and doing that. So what they're doing is they're literally just burning motherboards and all that and releasing all these toxins into the air. And that's where... Um, the world's trash went. So when you look at uh, these big barges that are out in the ocean that have been out there for 50, 100 years, all these things, somebody owns that boat and somebody's getting paid. So that garbage is just sitting there collecting revenue. So at the end of the day, all these recycling programs that most people know about, it's all nonsense. It's just a way to actually have a program and just generate revenue for the municipality or whatever you're in. Because these people don't recycle properly. Like you can separate your glass, your plastics, your, your garbage, and this and that. But at the end of the day, they put all that shit in one truck. It all goes to one hole. All gets put back together. You know, there might be some recycling plants that take the paper and the cardboard and they make nice, nice little piles of that. But the rest of that shit all goes together. That's the truth. I completely agree with you. So, you know, I mean... You know, the way, the way I tell, like, you know, I'm, I'm in the water business. Like, I'm not here to promote myself or my business. I'm here to have a real conversation. So at the end of the day, what I tell my customers is this. If you get rid of all the humans, get rid of them today. This world becomes a perfect ecosystem in our lifetime. So the 45 years that I've been alive, if we all just disappeared today, we would have a perfect ecosystem or damn near close to it in 45 years. So the problem is man. Um, I have a question. Uh, since this is Sats Radio, I guess, are you a Bitcoin person? I am, dude. We could talk about coin all day long. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I wanted to make sure because I wanted to ask this question. Um, do you think, because this is what my thread was about, uh, Bitcoin will clean 
microplastics from the ocean. Well, I mean, it's feasible. Bitcoin itself won't, but there might be somebody who creates a project based off of crypto and blockchain. I could see that happening. But there's a company called Aquagoat. I don't know if you know them. Um, so check out Aquagoat, and that's uh, they also they have a coin. Um, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to do all their projects geared to cleaning up the ocean and stuff like that. And I believe it's a, it's a, it's a DeFi coin or DeFi or however you guys want to pronounce that. I like calling it DeFi. I'm going to call it that from now on. <laughs> um, so I guess the, it was more akin to um, uh, hard money and the effects of hard money, uh, Bitcoin being the hardest money to ever exist. I don't know um, what that means. Oh, uh, so, you know, the hardness of money is the difficulty to make more of it. Uh, so gold is a pretty hard money cause it's really hard. It's very difficult to find more gold. And if you want to get, you know, get just one more ounce of gold, you have to chop a mountain in half. However, if you want more dollars, all you have to do is go in the back room and print a little bit of it. So, you know, the dollar is becoming soft money. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got, I got the term. I, I understand now. Yeah, so, um, so there's this website, uh, WTF happened in 1971. Um, and oh, I, I, know, I know all about the petrodollar. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, I think it's really cool uh, how you can just measure the divorce rate, um, uh, the, the drug addiction rate, um, uh, productivity versus income compensation. Right, but I don't, um, I don't, I think you should change uh, your wording or your, your term uh, because at the end of the day, you're still not talking about money. You're talking about a currency. Uh, what's the difference between money and a currency? Uh, you're in front of a computer? Uh, yes. All right, so type, type this into your computer. All right. So like that, we, we can actually go to a standard and have definition. It's uh, Coinage Act 1792. Coinage Act 1792. Uh, just go to the wiki page just for, because I, I, I know where to find it on the wiki page. If you go to the wiki page and you scroll down to, uh, I believe it's like um, authorized usage. In there, there's a little table that says uh, like five, ten dollar or unit. And right there, you will actually find the true definition of a dollar. So when you go and you, uh, just look up the definition of a dollar, uh, it will state that there needs to be a measurement. It's a measurement of something. So now, if we use the standard, that would be the standard, that would be the measurement. So that right there is money. Everything else is currency. If you look at currency, currency is a mean of exchange. Doesn't mean it's money. It's just a means of exchange. Yeah, I see uh, dollars are, what, 416 grain standard silver. So very interesting. I've never seen this before. Well, I, look, do this. Go, go to another page and type in lawful money. Just lawful money. Go look at the definition of lawful money. The law, definition of lawful money is any, any currency issued by the United States Treasury. The Treasury only submits coinage or bars, gold, silver, you know, uh, precious metals. And then it reads, and not the Federal Reserve. So, lawful money, any form of currency issued by the treasury, meaning any form of money, currency, tender, whatever, issued by the mint, and not the Federal Reserve Central Bank. 
So that's my understanding of currency, tender, money, so forth and so on. So when people talk about money and you don't fit into that standard, we're not talking about money. We're talking about a negotiable instrument. So if you want to know about negotiable instruments, you can go to UCC7 and it'll tell you all about those notes. Now, Bitcoin doesn't fall anywhere into this. Bitcoin is a digital currency, will remain digital at all times, meaning it's an illusion. But it's in a means of an exchange, meaning it has nothing to do with the IMF, the UN, the central bank, and all that. Now it comes down to the holder and the miner. So if the holder wants to turn around and say, hey, I want to do a project based on Bitcoin or the Lightning Network, or I want to make Shitoshis, and I'm going to go clean up the ocean, and I want people to invest into this project. Guess what? You just made another coin. Yeah, I'm kind of a Bitcoin-only sort of person. Um, so you know, I, I think any additional altcoin would uh, stray from actually solving any of society's problems. Um, I think pretty much all of the altcoins, while they might have great intentions, uh, don't actually solve any of the problems that they say that they're going to end up solving. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we're here to make money. So we're not getting that 2,000x jump, that 200%x jump on Bitcoin like we will on these other coins. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, me and Moses, we agree. All roads lead to Bitcoin. Like, at the end of the day, that's, that's the truth. You know, Bitcoin is the only digital currency. Everything else is they basically the same shit that they did uh, in 1971. That's why the SEC tried to uh, bang up XRP. And because they can't bang up XRP, and the reason they can't bang up XRP is because XRP actually owns their currency, not like the United States note. They own their currency. It's their creation. So now no one can come and say, oh, you can't do so forth and the third. No, 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 no. I do whatever I want. It's my shit. But now that's why the SEC right now is banging up uh, Coinbase because that's where they're going to find the money laundering because what Coinbase does is they're a reseller. They're a third party. They go out and buy blocks of these coins and then resell them to you. That's called money laundering because if they ever get audited, <laughs> Yeah, I think most money laundering is probably done with the U.S. dollar. Uh, probably very little is done with Bitcoin or any altcoin in my opinion. What? Are you out of your mind, dude? Have you been to the dark web? <laughs> uh, yes, I think I'm there right now, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so then you, you understand more than most what's going on. Because at the end of the day, guess what? In 2009, the only place Bitcoin was being exchanged was two places. Two places, that's it. And I can name them if you really want me to. That's Silk uh, Roads and the farm. Most of you don't even know what the farm is. That was the longest running market, bro. And I'm saying those names now because they're shut down, so it really doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, all of, all of these transactions with Bitcoin and the dark web and the Silk Roads and all that, it's all because of the farm and the way the farm was processing their shit. And that was all done through Western Union, credit cards and all that. But if you really want to see money laundering, go back to 2001 and go see why Second Life. People, secondlife.com, check it out. I'm not promoting nobody. I'm not making no money. But go to secondlife.com. Secondlife.com is the original entity who made the first digital currency back in 2001. Way before Litecoin, way before Bitcoin. They already had the technology. What's up? Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and they were laundering money like a motherfucker. 
all because they took their U.S. dollars, transferred transferred over or exchanged it into the Second Life coin, making it another currency that has value. Now they send it back over. Brand new account, brand new everything. That's why they laundered money. The only thing with Bitcoin is you're not laundering money. You're exchanging tax-free. And that's where the government has a problem because they don't want it to go peer-to-peer, person-to-person. They want it to go from you to their bank, let them process it, let them tax you, let them do this, create generator to generate revenue, and then send it off. You know why Western Union hates cryptocurrency? For that particular reason. They're losing $400 million a year, at least with El Salvador. They're losing a lot of money. Why? Because motherfuckers are getting smart, downloading a wallet, and and there's ATMs everywhere. But at the end of the day, it's it's a digital currency. It's only a digital means a um, digital means of exchange. Period. It's still not money, and people need to understand that shit. It's not money. It will never be money. If anything happens with a network or anything happens where you know what we go to quantum computing and we go to internet two. If none of you understand internet two, go to internet two. You know, if we start changing all of these, we change the algorithms, we change the blockchain, we change all of that. You know, it's the same thing that's going on in the United States. Like these motherfuckers are trying to get Washington and Puerto Rico and Guam all involved into the United States. So now they can change the constitution. So that shit is. Yeah, so I think I, I, I disagree, though, when it comes to Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is the money. I think Bitcoin is the only money. And I think also that even uh, if you take out all, um, let's say, uh, dollars, euros, whatever money people are using today, if you go all the way back to before anybody even had any sort of currency, you would also have money. Money was just the favor system that people lived by. Yeah, but uh, if we hold on, if we go on that thought, the money system back then was food. Uh, so I think the first money system was a favor system. So uh, I did a Bitcoin talk in uh, 2017. I, I work at a college, so I gave like a workshop here, I guess. Um, and I was trying to find, could, could a, an anthropologist or archaeologist show me the first economic barter system? And I couldn't well, find any instance of it. A barter well, system that, as well. That, the barter system didn't happen until, I would say, like the bank system. Like, we can go to Magna Carta. So that's where I would say that started because that's basically where legal contracts uh, started happening. But before then, it was all done lawfully and private. You know, like, I have chickens, I have eggs, you have a goat, I want milk, I'll give you some eggs. You know, that's, that's where that all comes from. Like, I have wheat, I have this. When that became realized to where now you have these, uh, these armories or these, uh, these warehouses or whatever, whatever, you know, now you can actually have a supply. Once you have a supply, that's where the barter stops because now you're bringing one-stop shopping. So now we can go back to the silk roads, ancient silk roads and the way that they bartered because it wasn't all about shekels. It wasn't all about gold and it wasn't all about silver. It was about whatever you have. We can bring it to today's time. We can just go to Burning Man. Same thing. For a week out of the year, 100,000 people do not exchange money. They exchange gifts. But I think also, 
in regards to exchanging these gifts, what are you really getting in return? Some sort of social capital. And I think that really when it comes to what I was looking for in regards to an initial barter system, you know, this is the system if you go to the Federal Reserve website and they try and explain to you, you know, why do we have money? And it's so the guy that has chickens but wants uh, sheep or something uh, needs to find someone that actually wants all the correct things. So you might have to exchange five different things just to get the thing that you want. Have you ever done uh, one of those uh, uh, Federal Reserve, they have, there's like a kid's game where uh, you know they give you grapes and you have to get chickens for it, but nobody on your island wants uh, uh, the grapes, so you have to go somewhere to find something to give the guy that, to give you the chickens. Um, but, so I, I, but anyway, just, just to keep it real short, uh, I think it's kind of a lie. I really don't think the barter system has ever existed uh, in this way. Um, uh, I think that really, at the very beginning of, of uh, you know, humans using money before any physical object represented money, um, I think that uh, uh, it was just a favor system. And the problem with living in a small tribe, a uh, small village, is as soon as you get to 150 people or so, you can't remember all the favors that each, each member owes one another. And that's why... 150 is about the number where tribes all tend to split apart. Uh, you can't have more than 150 close relationships. Most, most tribes that I know of, speaking in that sense, that aren't, um, let's say, have, uh, have a financial doctrine, okay, or, or a, yeah, just a financial doctrine, just to, so, just to put term to it. Um, these tribes, because, you know, I'm, my background is my great-great-grandfather comes from, um, like, Angola, Cape Verde um, area. So I've, I've visited there, and, and you know, I've, I've, I've entered into certain tribes in South America and in Africa um, to where, you know, there's really no, no concept of, of, of this ownership, like ownership on, on real estate. So, like in South America and in, in, in the Amazon, where, where some of my family's from, like when uh, the community has a child, where someone has a child, um, you know, or someone gets married or something like this, the community comes together on like a Sunday and they will build a hut for this family or for whatever the case is. And there's no expectation of anything in return it's like a festival you know they go on a sunday they all have a little barbecue and next thing you know a hut is built but there's still no real concept of oh this is ours this is theirs and and stuff like that it's just a necessity and now we have it so you can use I agree with that, but I still think that there's a form of money that's not necessarily a unit of account. I mean, kind of, but people remember, oh, everybody participated, and these are the people. Well, that that's, when, that's when people associate labor with money. So now my labor has a cost. With that, that's, that's a financial doctrine, because if you go to ancient times, there was no, hey, my labor cost. It's no. You applied the labor. And we appreciate that. And now, because we've created something, everyone can use it. I think when it comes to a hut, for example, though, um, you know, it would probably be one family that would end up using that hut. So it would be the family unit where they would have purchased this hut 
from the whole group. Yes, the whole group. No, there's, there's there's no purchase. So look look at it like this. There's a community right now. Uh, what the hell is the name of it? Um, I believe it's called uh, Arrowville. A R E O Ville. It's in India. I believe these people got a hundred acres uh, of land somewhere in like uh, South South India. I believe with like Goya or something like that. Um, and uh, you right now, you can actually send them an email and ask them to visit. And you can go there and visit. Um, if the community likes you as a whole, you can actually get a little piece of land for free. There's no money exchanged here. They will give you a little piece of land, an acre, or half acre, whatever the case may be, where you can actually get the other people in this community involved and they will go and build you a house, a hut, whatever the case is. They will help you create a farm and do whatever they want to do with no expectation. So I believe this little community is separated between meat eaters and vegans, you know, like just no meat, no animal abuse in that sense. Um, and they all cohabitate fine with no, with lawless society and no means of actual physical uh, money, but everybody exchanges their time, their patience, you know, their labor, and they help themselves out. And this is taking effect today right now. And there's plenty of communities like that. Like even in the West coast of, um, of the United States, like Oregon and, uh, and Washington, there's plenty of homesteads out there. Like I believe even Washington, Washington state, somewhere in Washington state, I believe in one of those counties has their own currency where it has nothing to do with the federal reserve. It's just a community uh, currency, I believe. I think still at the same time, you have to exchange your time or even your likability and how do you get them to like you, exchange something to them, uh, your time uh, and energy. I guess that's Michael Saylor's uh, hobby horse. Uh, money is energy or Bitcoin is energy. Um, but still, you would have to exchange that time. And you know, even the saying might be a little cliche, time is money. Um, that is it's true. Money. It's true. Time is money. And, and now it comes down to what your concept of money is or what your concept of con con um, being compensated is. You know, that's all individual. Like some people, even you in your everyday life, I'm just assuming, but everyone you do business with, it's, it's a different means of exchange. Like some people, you may want marijuana. Some people, you might want Federal Reserve notes. Some people, you might want gold. Other people, you might want Bitcoin. I, I mean, you know, there's plenty of options to use as a form of exchange or currency for that matter. But at the end of the day, it's like, where do you put your value? You know, I would put my value on food because at the end of the day, when the shit hits the fan, you're going to need to feed yourself. So I know how to filter my water and have good water. The world is contaminated. I believe it's 3% of proper drinking water is left on this globe. You know, when it comes down to food, I know how to produce my food. Like, I'm going to have to protect my crop. Like, that's what it's coming down to. And it makes no difference about what money or barter system or means of exchange I have. At the end of the day, my apples are going to be worth a lot. My pears are going to be worth a lot. You know, my lettuce is going to be worth a lot because it's not going to be available to nobody. So that's the new goal. I think like it brings us there. Like long form, it makes it so that the, the decentralized version of the future with like say a Citadel 
kind of society where everything's a citadel or a group. It's like all those little groups, like you said, in Asia, like those could exist and whole groups of people could do that and not use any form of so-called currency. But I think at some base layer of just measuring time and energy, it becomes the best no, way I, to that do that. I agree. I agree 100%. Bitcoin is the future and it should be the way that people exchange because like that, it all comes back to the user and the miner. Simple. The way it should be. So I guess um, uh, to circle all the way back, uh, with a money such as Bitcoin, do you think that people's choices would change to where they would consume less disposable items overall, less plastics, less clothes and fabrics that create microplastics and in that way uh you know the environment overall and water would clean to become much cleaner over time over time i i agree to an extent so this is what i agree with i agree with sorry i put this to more i agree with bitcoin being one of the best means of exchange. Okay. Um, I agree that if people start using Bitcoin as a mean of exchange, they will start to understand what it means to hold property. Like, Okay, because what I mean by that is in today's time, we don't own anything like mortgages, homes, cars, everything we purchase with Federal Reserve notes uh, really means we don't own it. There's, there's no ownership there and nor can we claim it. So when we use Bitcoin to purchase something like a home, like a car, uh, we can now request or require that we get a lodial title. So uh, you should look that up. Allodial, A-L-L-O-D-I-A-L, allodial title. Um, so what that means is it's true. It's the true deed or title of said asset or property. So what I mean by that is, uh, what's the easiest way for me to explain this? Uh, if you buy a car, let's say a Toyota, okay? Uh, Toyota, their factories, whatever, China, Japan, I really don't know, but whatever, it's over there. Um, and they have a manufacturing plant. The manufacturing plant puts together this, this item. This item gets released called uh, an MCO, a Manufacturer Certificate of Ownership, MCO, yeah. So they ship this off. Uh, when it gets to the ports over here stateside, uh, the state takes these documents and it, they subrogate. The word is subrogation. So S-U-B-R-O-G-A-T-I-O-N, subrogation. They take the MCO, they subrogate it into the certificate of whatever, and that's what they give you. So now uh, the same thing goes for property and houses and stuff like that. Um, so they give you a certificate of deed, certificate of title, blah, 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 blah. Um, so now when you go and actually buy something with Bitcoin, like a home or a car, you can request require, sorry, you can actually require demand in order that you get the original document, meaning a lodial title. 
Now, once you have a lodial title, you are basically tax exempt with that. It's your property. You have complete ownership of it. So you just took that outside of the federal jurisdiction realm, uh, giving you a different concept, giving you a uh, different way of functioning in society. And when people start to understand this ownership, I believe it will lead to responsibility, like self-responsibility, lawful, legal, whatever. Um, and that will turn into people being conscious and property and, and real estate. Um, and then, yeah. You know, but it's going to take time. You know, I mean, a lot of people have been brainwashed, especially people in the financial uh, industry. Uh, they don't even understand, you know, how money moves, how real money moves, like how the real money market moves. Like you should Google real money market. Like It's a term for a reason. You know, now we're talking about real commodities, wheat, sugar, uh, future, stuff like that. Like that's real money at the end of the day. Okay, so in terms of, if I can just bring this back to water, so yes, Bitcoin I think is a medium that people will take to advantage themselves in a multitude of ways, but in terms of water specifically, um, of course, like aside from drinking it, right, and, and maybe a, a preferred way like that you were talking about earlier, what other ways are we able to use water to benefit mankind? Well, I mean, you can use you can use water to produce anything you want. I mean, if you're talking about energy, is that what we're talking about? In terms of energy, potentially communicating information, if water has the ability to retain information in terms well, of if you look at okay, let's let's do let's do one at a time. So if we're talking about um, information, um, and then we can relate that to like fiber optics um, and silicons, gels, and other aqueous uh, substances. Um, if we're talking about energy, um, well, water itself holds an abundance of energy. The question is, is what type of energy are you trying to produce? So we can use gas, right? That's what we use today for energy, for, to run our generators and stuff like that. Uh, so we can take water, run it through an electrolysis process, and produce hydrogen gas, which is one of the most flammable gases that man has or can produce. Um, and we can just YouTube uh, Joe, J-O-E, and then Cell, C-E-L-L, Joe Cell. And there's millions of people that make these little devices that you can hook up to most uh, gas-powered engines, weed whackers, generators, whatever. Um, and you can run your motor off of water. Now, the question is, is why isn't everyone doing this? The question is, is why aren't you doing this? Because the information is right there. I just gave it to you. I mean, granted, it may have just gotten to you now, but at the end of the day, the information's still there. I never heard of this before. This is, uh, this is fascinating. Is this like, isn't this the technology that was suppressed by that guy who tried to create a water engine and then he disappeared mysteriously? Um, yeah, I know there was a guy, I believe he was in, uh, in Brazil. Is that the guy you're talking about? He actually, uh, he actually, no, hold on. There's two stories I know I'm kind of, uh, but I'm just going off of, uh, 
uh, a lot of marijuana-induced uh, thoughts here, so just give me a second. Uh, there was a guy in the States, I believe in the mid to late 80s, who drove a car across country, and the government actually pulled him over somewhere and was like, yo, you haven't filled this car up with gas, and can you tell us why? There is that story, and then there's a story of, I believe, a guy in Brazil uh, outside one of the major cities, so like Rio or Sao Paulo, um, where he actually put, I believe, one of these Joe cells on his motorcycle, and the community started uh, making these Joe cells, and they literally shut him down. So, I mean, there's lots of ways that we can benefit from water. You know, we just have to know our intent. Like, what are you trying to achieve? If you're trying to achieve a gas, well, and then use things that need gas. If you're trying to use a liquid, well, it's really hard to get water to burn. Um, you can do what um, Emoto did. Um, Emoto took, uh, how did he do it? Hold on a second. Let this come to me. Um, uh, yeah, Emoto took uh, hydrogen gas. He took hydrogen gas, and he took uh, regular water, I believe, or a clean, structured water that he already produced. Um, and he ran the water and the hydrogen through a supersonic machine, um, and that attached the an extra hydrogen molecule to the actual water molecule. And I believe he ran that water through a weed whacker motor, and it ran. I believe he ran it for like 15 minutes or something like that. But that water that he used is infused with hydrogen. You can't just burn water. It doesn't happen. This is hydrogen cell, right? This is what, like, Toyota's working on, right? Oh, I don't know. There's, there's plenty of people that, I mean... I believe like the first mention of a Joe cell or not a Joe cell, but that type of technology where you're taking water, you're using uh, uh, a couple different metals and you're running basically uh, a car battery, 12 volts through it. And you're producing um, uh, what's called HHO, HHO gas. Um, and there, that technology, I think the first mention of it goes back to like the twenties and thirties. Yeah, a lot of good technologies uh, being suppressed. <clears throat> Water is, uh, is the source of life, right? It is. I mean, it, it, without it, we're, we're fucked. But then again, that goes for everything. That goes for the bees, too. Like, you know, we live in a collective. So we still need everything, you know, between chemtrails and, and vaccines. And you guys know what smart dust is? Check out smart dust. And that shit will tweak your brain for a little bit. Smart dust. And you don't smoke it, people. Yeah, I've seen smart dust. It's pretty crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at smart dust, I believe they've been pumping smart dust since the mid-70s. Like, this whole globe has smart dust, a coating of it. All our food, all these animals, everything has smart dust in it. And smart dust is basically a bunch of sensors. So now we're looking at 2020, 2021, and we look at where IoT is going with all their micro sensors and micro whatever. 
Is the Internet of Things? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this ties into uh, is it something I think you sent me the other day that the uh, 2015 on uh, the Internet of Things and connecting the COVID-19 vaccine got up. Yeah, that's all that shit to do with 5G and all that crazy microwave technology that these people pumping out right now. Yeah, this gets really into the weeds on the conspiracy stuff. Um, well, it's not conspiracy because at the end of the day, you know, you can go look at what they did in South Florida with their goddamn mosquitoes, with their robotic mosquitoes. You can go look at what they're doing at MIT with um, or, uh, or origami. Like, they literally have these origami, like, nano-sized things that can just stretch out and open up to whatever they want. It moves. It does what it does. You know, if you go look at, you know, where, where uh, even if you look at, like, nodes, uh, check out Node MCU, N-O-D-E-M-C-U, one word. Uh, you can type in 8266. You know, all these things right here. Are, are little tiny uh, semi-processors, uh, semi, yeah, uh, semi can, yeah, semi-processors and shit like that, that you can run whatever you want. You can run your lights, your house, you can make an app, you can connect to it through Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, whatever you want. You can yeah, fucking mine. You can mine Bitcoin with the goddamn shit, dude. Yeah, I've I seen some. Uh, I've seen some some images of some. Uh, someone analyzed some of the fluid in in the shot, and uh, and under really high, like like uh, amplification, amplification, you can see these. It looks like origami shapes with these weird sort of. No, they actually. Uh, there's a video. Do uh, uh, do graphene oxide five G. So they actually like it's it's not really a petri dish. It's just a it's a metal rim that they put this graphene in, and they're sending waves to it, and they're actually manipulating it. They're making it move. They're making it come apart. They're making it go together, uh, just with these signals. There's a there's a there's a PubMed article uh, going into what's called magnetogenetics. This is from 2015 or 16, I do believe, and they're talking about. Uh, programming a virus through CRISPR to um, tell a cell to actually self-organize ferritin molecules inside of the cell to create a spike structure, which then creates like a magnet compass inside of the cell, which they can alter the position of it through a frequency. And this is like on PubMed. It's not, it's not. You want to see something crazy? I, I, I I got into this. I got this information today. So my boy calls me up and he's like, listen, I'm going to send you an email. I haven't read the email. But as far as it goes, uh, uh, turn the Bluetooth scanner on your phone, okay? And if you're in like a city or something where people are vaccinated, just watch that scanner. You'll start seeing a whole bunch of miscellaneous numbers like literally roll through. And what they're saying is it's that graphene oxide, the RFID, it's, it's producing a Bluetooth signal. Because I, I have... Uh, I have things uh, uh, you guys can look into uh, SDR, so software-defined radio. Now, you can literally buy a $20 chip, and you can scan. Um, you can scan. I mean, depending on what kind of chip you got, you, you got a pretty big uh, 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 spectrum that you can scan. Like, literally, you can hack somebody's Wi-Fi with one of those little $20 dongles. Um, 
So, I mean, I was trying to scan for like the RFID and all these readings and stuff like that. And I just, I, I haven't got anything. Um, I get more people's car tires than I do anything. But um, uh, my boy sends me this, uh, this document statement. I actually have one of those on my computer. You can get them on Try Hack Me. I've had it for years. Uh, software defined radio stuff. Oh yeah, no, I, I scan everything, dude. I scan everything. I, I scan satellites. I scan police, federal, uh, state, local, all bands. I mean, I got a huge scanner over here. Basically, I, I made it myself, but it's basically a scanner where it goes from zero to infinite and back, scanning everything, dude. But if you're into that, uh, check out uh, HackRF. Uh, it's a hundred dollar board. Yeah, the HackRFs are great, and the pineapples, yeah. and, uh, and they're all well, try hack me. They're great. Yeah, those fucking th yo that that HackRF. I mean, you know, I don't really promote people to the HackRF until they really understand the uh, uh, the legality on transmitting. Um, but you know, scanning everyone should scan, dude. Go, go buy yourself one of these SDR people, plug that shit into your computer and just have fun. Just see what's out there, dude. So like that, you understand that if you're doing it, other people are doing it. You know, like YouTube, war driving, W-A-R driving. Check out what these little 12-year-olds are doing. Well, that's been a thing since like <laughs> the nineties. We talk about yeah, that but, sometimes you know, like, on the old forums. I'm from like fracking days. Like I'm from Commodore sixty four, where you know what we wanted to do was get free phone calls internationally, dude. So we, we were fucking around with pings yeah. and signals and all that shit. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the era I come from, and that's a good era because like. That's when you were talking to machines more directly. Uh, well, that's when, layers over them. That's when people understood hardware because it was all about hardware. Today, it's all about software. Like if you don't know Python and you don't know these languages, you're fucking, you're jammed up. You're fucked. Like who the fuck understands linear algebra? Well, if you don't understand that shit, don't touch Python. No, that was good. Uh, 2000, I remember. Uh, I was in computer science. That was one of your first-year courses, linear algebra. We also touched it in grade 12 in calculus if uh, you were doing the math 30s and 31s back back at the end of the 90s and 2000. I don't know what it's like now because they changed all the curriculums since I've been around. Listen, the only thing I know about pi is 3.14. I can't go past that, dude. It just doesn't fit. Just, I don't compute that way. So I'm one of these guys. It's very difficult, dude, to, you know, two plus two sometimes equals five with me. And I just got to go with it. Fuck it, just because I say so. I'm like, you know what? That's it. It is what it is. So when it comes to, like, these super uh, uh, math concepts, uh, I, I, I'm too old for that shit. I ain't got time for it. It just, I ain't got time for it. <laughs> I ain't got time for <laughs> it. But if anyone's for hire, let me know. All right, so um, what's her name? Bitcoin goddess? Bitcoin bum, any more questions?
No, I think I'm good. Thank you so much. Come on, you 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 got to keep this going. Stats Radio. All right, if you give me like two minutes, I'll think of something really clever. But right now, my blind is completely drawing a blank. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, water people. Water people. I'm interested in something I heard <clears throat> yesterday in a space. I think uh, I think Citizen of Satoshi might have mentioned it, but it was about using water to actually store information <clears throat> like a computer. You can oh, you're, you, 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 uh, numbers, like you ones go. and zeros. Can you say that again? Moses, can you say that again, please? You kind of just like died down. In the matrix, sorry. Um, someone was saying yesterday in a space about water possibly being able to be used in computational systems because it can hold information. Yeah, I mean, there's there's systems now. Um, you know, I mean, when we go back to computing, you know, the the reason gold is so good. Um, at computing and, and holding these things because it actually holds um, a certain amount of information itself and that's why they've been using this in, in these chips and stuff like that. So when it comes to water, water itself won't be able to do that. So you have to add something to it. But that's fiber optics. So, on a, like, are you familiar with any uh, rituals, like religious or spiritual rituals concerning water that in, encompass water? Yeah, I mean, you know, we can go, like, to, um, like, witches, Wiccans, and stuff like that, you know, when they put out water in the sun or make moon water, um, and they add the energy of the sun or the moon, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're still bringing it back to the, the teachings of, of Emoto and putting intent into water. So if you put certain intent into water, um, you can let it manifest. Um, leaving water in the open, like tap water and stuff like that, the sun will pull out like the chlorine and the hydrochloric acid. Um, so, I mean... It's a good thing. But as in rituals, um, you know, the only rituals you're going to have are putting intent into it, like holy water. Like, that shit comes right out of a tap, and then, you know, you get a priest that blesses it with whatever, and now it's holy water. Same thing goes for the rabbi or whatever. You know, at the end of the day, the water comes from the same source. He's a person to look into for that particular vortexing, the vortices of water and how water flows and stuff like that. He was very much into that. Look him up if you're interested in that. Yeah, so it's basically the, the vortex technology, what it does is when you're putting it through this spiral or this vortex, and when it's going back to its original structure, it's, it's releasing all the contaminants and all the bad parts. So it's, it's not really filtering its separation. And it's separating in, in a natural um, in a natural manner. 
So when, when you look at Schauberger's and you look at all his technology, the guy just basically went into the woods and looked at life and mimicked life into a process. But it is very good information, um, and I would suggest everyone do their due diligence on, on Schauberger, uh, Emoto, and anyone who has taken water and done something with it. Um, as for uh, um, charging water, um, there's ways that you can add like electrolytes and stuff like that to uh, give the body a little boost. But I don't, I don't still understand what what charging is is meant or defined as. So you can electrically charge water, and there's there's an experiment called a water bridge, where basically you take high voltage and you can make water gap or something like like cohere and go across a small uh, gap, right? You yeah, can move yeah, further apart. Right. You, on you can manipulate right. it. You can manipulate it through, through electrolysis. But, you know, I, I'm more, I'm more talking about like a metaphysical and a spiritual thing. So, uh, right. you, you can throw, right. You can throw intent into like a crystal, throw a crystal into like a Mason jar with some water, put that thing out in the sun and let the sun charge it up a little bit. Um, the, the Japanese gentleman you're talking about, is that the same guy who did the experiments with um, freezing water? Yeah, 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 yeah. His, his name is, his name is uh, Emoto. Um, and yeah. that's, the, okay. that's the gentleman that took words and then flashed freeze droplets of water um, and, and it produced these certain crystals and then they, they broke down the, the shape of the crystal in being like a good vibration to being a bad vibration. And then they took it a step further and they actually took, um, took this, uh, this, this water, so to speak, uh, they took them over into like plants and they would give plants these waters and see how these plants grew and the water with the, uh, let's say the, 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 the ethical or the moral intent, those plants grew a lot better than the plants with the evil or negative intent. It's, it's pretty cool. The experiments are, they're, it's very fascinating. Yeah. I've, I've seen some of the, some of the documents of it and stuff like that. It is, it is interesting. But Emoto also, he's, um, his, uh, organization, uh, they also do a lot with uh, like hydrogen fuel and hydrogen gas where they actually incorporate an extra hydrogen molecule inside uh, water um, and they're making hydrogenation using a PEM, which is a, pol a polymer electrolytic membrane. Well, no, actually what they're doing is they're, they're taking water, they're putting water in a supersonic machine so if you know, like, tattoo artists or hospitals, they, they have a machine that they put their utensils in that, yeah. vi that vibrate a supersonic oil. What they do is they, they put water in that thing, and then they um, put hydrogen gas into the actual water, uh, making it aqueous. Um, and then they're putting that into, uh, like, a combined motor, and they're running the weed, macro, weed whacker motor off of that uh, water. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with that technology. You know, he's also doing like uh, HHO, uh, producing hydrogen and running just straight hydrogen into motors and stuff like that. But right. I, I said before to the room that if you guys want to look into like that type of technology, just uh, Google or whatever search engine, uh, Joe Cell, J O E C E L L, Joe Cell, 
and there's a, there's thousands of uh, of these little vessels and applications for these Joe cells that anyone can go right now, create one, stick it on your car into the air intake, and now you're getting 100% uh, burn on your fuel. Um, you're saving money, all kinds of things. Right. You just got to be careful with what, ele- what electrolyte you're using so you don't, you know, fuck up your Listen, at the, at, the, at the end of the day, just make sure the actual liquid is not being pumped into the air intake. And it doesn't matter if you use uh, self-sodium bicarbonate or use yeah, salt or whatever the case is. Like, that shit don't matter. You can use vinegar. It doesn't matter. Just use something. Have you heard of a, a maza? A maza gas? No, I, don't, I have no idea what that is. So similar. He's like a Japanese gentleman, but he used vibrator plates. Um, very low frequencies, but then on the, on the edges of these vibrating plates, it, it's at much higher frequencies. And... You know, notice a lot of cavitation um, on the plates themselves. They started to deteriorate, much like a submarine propeller and stuff like that. But the same principle, he made gas um, that burns very clean um, just from ultrasonification, right? Rather than using electrolysis, he used, uh, you know, uh, kinetic means of separating the oxygen and hydrogen. That's interesting. Can you can can you send me a message of that guy's name? Because there's no way for me to yeah. actually. Yeah, but that'd be great, dude. I'd love to look into that. Uh, what's your medium of, of what's the best medium for you to learn uh, visual like video? Oh, I, I don't care. Dude. You can send it to me in an abstract form, medical science. You can send it to me in a layman's form. Either way, I'll, I'll figure it out. I got dictionaries. All right. But I would prefer in, in so like that. I have something to, to, to reference and then I, I can do my own due diligence from there. Like, I don't care. I mean, I'll take it in a YouTube video, too. But at the end of the day, you know, like, my education doesn't come from YouTube. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever heard of uh, uh, Martin Fleischman Memorial Project? I have. You have heard of, you have heard of Bob Grenier and, and the, the work? Yeah, I, I, I've heard of it. I, I never really looked into it. I mean, I just, okay. you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of concepts out there and, and a lot of doctrines out there that, you know, like, I, I got a life, dude. You know, like I sell water, you know, like I already have my business and this and that. So, um, I consult, do filtration, uh, purification. Um, and then I, I clean soil. So I, I try to help people on understanding how to recycle and how to make, uh, how to just make their soil better so they can produce a better produce. So I have a question for you, sir. Um, you're into water filtration or purification systems, right? Um, have you ever heard of graphene? I don't know what you mean by graphene. Is that a company? Like the material? Are you talking about yeah. that? Yes. It's a material. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It can I be know. made okay. many so, different ways uh, by different right. types of base material. It's really good. I just know that the yeah, industrial they, process they have... is still kind of in its middle to be a, a material that is affordable to work with was more my last yeah, point. It's, it, it's really, it's really expensive, but they actually have uh, reverse osmosis membranes that are um, the actual media that's inside there is, is, is a graphene. You can make it with hemp, too. That's the thing, like, like really crazy materials, and it transfers electricity really well. It'll filter water. Yeah, for nanotubes, hemp works really well, and you can uh, put it in, um, uh, what are they called, uh, Basically, we're a slow, pressurized vessel. And just 
carbonizes them. Yeah, but to add this into a filter system is really difficult, and it would be really expensive. So, I mean, like right now, the closest thing you're getting to like this graphene and, and, and carbon filtration to that extent uh, would be with the reverse osmosis membranes. Um, yeah, they use that. Uh, so your common filtration system uses 800,000 uh, PSI, correct me if I'm wrong. Wait, 800,000 PSI for, no. 800 to 8,000? No, I, the normal household in New York City, uh, they're probably at 40 to 60 PSI coming out of that faucet. Water treatment facility. I'm not oh, 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 yeah, yeah, no, that's all different. That all depends on how, how big their industrial pumps are. But yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Go ahead. So this reduces the amount of power, but like somebody else had stated, um, you have a few different methodologies pertaining to how you acquire this graphene. Now in Australia, they are testing a prototype version of it, a gel form, right? And that's able to do something at a small scale at this point. But when it comes to the energy um, saving capacity, that's where it gets a leg up on everything else. But the cost right now is what someone also stated is something that they have to bring down as it becomes more mainstream. Basically in 2015, Deloitte had done a study on this. 70% of the world's graphene is produced in India and China. So there's a company called Graphite India. It's a publicly traded company um, in Indian stock market or in the Indian markets. They came and bought one of your largest graphene producers in the United States for roughly about $300 million uh, just a few years ago. So um, Stanford's had the research on it since a long time, since back in the 80s. But that's something definitely to keep, um, keep track of. Oh, no. yeah, I, 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 I love the technology, and, but the, the bottom line is I can't, I mean, I, I have distributors that offer said technology, but coming to me, it's so expensive that nobody really wants to implement that because of the cost. So at the end of the day, you know, when you're in business, you, 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 you gotta take, you gotta take that into effect. hundred percent, my friend. But you the know, cost down. That's what I'm saying to keep track of it. The costs are definitely. Oh, I do. I, I do. I try, you know, um, I, I like to give my customers, um, um, the best option possible. And if my customers can actually provide me with something that I don't know, I'll definitely look into it. But when it, when it comes to these types of filters, I mean, the only real place that I can use it at, in this time in space is inside these reverse osmosis filters. But that would literally increase the price of the filter I sell now by probably like 2,000%. Yeah, I put it up in the nest. So if you want to research it, and I, I tagged you in it. Absolutely, thank you. Do you use this for any type of water application or filtration? Or purification? Uh, I do experiments with ultrasonics, um, mostly suspended bubbles and cavitation experiments um, for energy research. Can, can you explain that a little bit? I'm one of those crazy garage experimenters. I do like fringe science shit. So. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all with that shit, dude. I'm, I'm one of those tinker guys myself, bro. Like, I've literally put three or four... Uh, of those Joe cells through a foundation, literally blew it right through a foundation. 
<laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've experimented with a lot of uh, uh, electrolytic cell stuff and like uh, Stan Meyer stuff and all that kind of thing, Joe cells and con- the concentric circle idea, the wave dynamics of, uh, of creating a high, uh, you know, a electrolytic cell. Um, but my primary focus is on um, electrolytic <laughs> like hydro, electrolytic hydrodynamic uh, plasma, actually. I, I create a plasma in, in water. So you're doing high voltage in water, and you're basically letting it coagulate and keeping it all that energy suspended inside this. So, I, so my aim is to, to measure the energy in to energy out, you know, through joules tools of energy um but it's been very challenging in getting the proper sensors and it's been a slow process you know slow and iterative process and just keeps getting better and better and um i I had (laughs) i had it in my front room for a while my family didn't really dig that and i had kind of a radical experiment and uh it kind of freaked me out so let me ask you this do you know who daniel nunez is i do i know i've been in the alternate alternative energy and or the free energy community for quite a while now. Well, I, so, yeah. I actually know him. He's, he's, he's from the Bronx and I'm in New York city and I mean, I don't know him like we ain't best friends or anything, but, um, we, we have had some, some pretty extensive conversations. Um, yeah, he seems like a very nice guy. Him and his wife both are, are yo, very, they're, very they're, cool. they're, they're amazing people. Dude. Amazing. Like literally amazing. Um, there should be more of them like that. But anyway, um, also with these little tiny like raspberry pies and like, uh, these nodes, MCUs and these little tiny boards, um, you can actually start producing like these, uh, biofeedback machines, um, and just implement it into what you're doing. And you can now with like buck converters and all that, find that frequency that you're looking for. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing, but, um, mostly just the basics, right. And start keeping it simple and just starting with, uh, getting uh, measure, measurements for um, heat, you know, the, the COP, the coefficient of power. So, um, you know, how much energy goes in and how much energy. shield my computer um just to avoid you gotta have have faraday cages yeah exactly i have a bunch of faraday cage set up and that's grounded i've dedicated i've I've experimented like tesla coils and i'm relatively versed in electrical engineering i mean i'm not a pro or anything like that but uh, i've been experimenting for a long time and stuff so i'm just trying to and i'm trying to do it openly so yeah it's all open source i'm not trying to i'm not trying to make money off of it nor do i think i could I think that's been the mistake of many inventors of the past, right? So, oh, a lot of things. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those blow up my house type of guys too. Yeah, even uh, I made some graphene. Um, I've I have a diff- <clears throat> couple different ways, <clears throat> mostly 
<clears throat> some ways I've been taught and then some ways that I experimented with myself and using uh, electrolytic oxi oxidation, uh, plasma electrolytic oxi so, oxidation. I, I, I have a question on, on these sensors. Do, can you use any of these um, like uh, heat uh, little sensors that they sell, these little chips like the TMP36s and shit like that? Yeah, I use for outer sensors, I use the uh, BP, what the fuck are they called? Oh man, I can't remember. It's just an Arduino sensor, but yeah, it's yeah, a, that's what it's I'm talking about. Little tiny, yeah. like they do the the, uh, the temperature and all that, and yep. you can you can hook up some like whatever right. resistors very, and stuff like that, and just read that. Right, they're very very accurate. Um, the the digital ones, the chip in the digital ones that are built specifically for Arduino or Raspberry Pi, they're very very accurate, but uh, but they get they get hammered with EMF, you know, like they get hammered with uh, any type of electromagnetic. Oh, so you're getting pulses. a lot of interference in there. Oh, right. I get it. So I get it. I get it. I get it. Right. So I just shield and ground all those. And then those are moved out of ways in the actual water baths, right. To, uh, to monitor temperature in the outer ja water jacket. That makes sense. The inner, the inner actual reactor itself, the reactor um, water uh, is, has been the biggest challenge. That's where I've, I've had to try a bunch of different sensors and finally had to just screw the pooch and buy a really expensive, like $80 uh, RTD. It's an RTD sensor. So, and uh, yeah, it's just been a bunch of trial and error. And, you know, sometimes it's best not to go cheap, especially when you're doing things like this. So. Well, you know what? It's always good to go cheap and then learn where you fail so you know where to get go expensive. Because I'll tell you right now, Wish is one of my fucking favorite websites, dude. I've only bought bought one thing off of there. It was Dude, LEDs. I'm telling you right now, I buy all these fucking two cent chips and, and LEDs and servos and motors and shit like that. And I fry every single one of them because I know it's all garbage. But at the end of the day, you know what? I know where my chips are going to fail. So if I ever want to go like really get into prototyping and stuff like that, I know exactly what to, to do versus cheap and proper. You know, right. a lot of these like buck converters and this and that, you might as well buy the, the uh, two cent board that's already done because at the end of the day, just you building it, just the time you're going to put into soldering this and this and that. And right, it's about weighing, yeah. weighing your options like that. Yeah. Exactly. But at the end of the day, like Wish.com and their stupid sensors, like, dude, their sensors aren't 100%. They're not 90%. They're 40%. But at the end of the day, you're going to understand, well, at least me. I'm going to understand that, oh, look, you know what? I can't use this two-cent sensor. Let me go spend the $2,000 because everything else is going to work just fine. Right. You know, I, I do all that stuff. Yeah, I, I've took, uh, I have uh, like two Raspberry Pi clusters, and then I got a whole bunch of these like uh, Node MCU chips and 8266 and all types of like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth so I can make like uh, interact with apps and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you talking earlier, like you're making sniffer sniffer circuits and do and doing scans. No, I don't. Like I don't that. really do that anymore. Like when I was a kid, like when I first started hacking, like Wi-Fi and you know, like stupid shit like that. Like I would make these these stupid sniffers and jammers and all that. But you know what? That shit's for twelve year olds. Like I'm way beyond that. Like that shit is cool. <laughs> that shit is cool. <laughs> It's also for criminals, too, in some, some regard, right? Well, honestly, look, at the end of the day, you know, I, I've hacked people's Wi-Fi networks, and I've used other people's Wi-Fi without their permission. Um, 
but I've never took it any further, maybe once, to where, you know, like I jumped in their computer and I started looking at their porn and shit like that. Like, you know, I, I know how to do it, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's a waste of time. Like, what information am I really going to go and get? Private keys. I'm just kidding. Nobody do that. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do it on the computer, guys. Do it on the phone. Yeah, no, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm all for people understanding hacking and understanding ethical hacking and learning how to help yourself prevent from, from harms and shit like that. So you got to be a little criminal minded to, to be a little secure in today's time. Yeah, that's what you from that. So what do you use? What do you use for your filtration primarily? Like activated carbon or? Uh, well, I I I have um, I've been in the water business in New York City for like twenty years now. Um, so I I basically get um, and I have uh, my data sheets of where certain contaminants are in New York City. So when it comes to my clients, depending on what your intent is or what you need as water source. Um, if I'm selling people filtration, um, and then I'm selling them basic filters, so you're talking like carbon, uh, you're talking KDF 55, 88, uh, activated alumina, uh, really depending on what section they're in, but I'm mostly concerned about, uh, the inorganics, organics, uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, and that's, that's really where I go with that and fluoride. So all the filters I use, I usually sell a, a five-stage filter that pretty much removes all unwanted things up to about 85-90%. Um, if you're real anal and you're like, well, I want the best water I can produce, I offer you reverse osmosis, and then we talk about um, what types of minerals and stuff like that goes into the water. Um, or you can make the choice on just using reverse osmosis water. Um, and then I will educate you on uh, how reverse osmosis water can be harmful um, if applied in the wrong sense or fashion. Kind of like uh, distilled water. Right? It's in, it's in yeah, surface. distilled water is, is a solvent. Use it as a solvent. So when you're inputting this into your body, you have to understand that it's a solvent and now you're you're depleting your body of certain things. So if you want to use it um, with the intent of detoxing, and then it's good for you to use because it's going to help push out all these or pull out all these unwanted whatever. Um, if you're drinking this every day as your main water source, um, you're going to need to make sure that you have a decent amount of mineral intake from your diet. And if you don't, you're going to have to you're going to have to add this to your water because you will hurt yourself. It will deplete you of calcium, of iron, and it will deplete you of all these minerals that you need. So you just got to be conscious of this. So do you mess around? Nobody else is talking, so I just figured I'll just keep Yeah, no, questions. go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I don't mind. This is why I'm here. Uh, you, uh, do you mess around with... Um... Two, two things. One is, do you mess around with hydrogenation of water, like using uh, um, those uh, hydrogen machines, right, that add the hyd extra hydrogen into the water? 
No, I mean, I don't, I don't really add hydrogen. Like I don't do any of those. Um, the only things that I do with hydrogen is I'll produce hydrogen as a gas and then use that as a fuel. But that's as far as I go with the hydrogen uh, incorporating in, into something and making like, uh, um, like an aqueous something. Um, and I, I don't do any of that. And then uh, what about, um, UV? Um, I don't, when it comes to UV, I'm, I'm assuming you're going with like, um, uh, like producing ozone. Um, and if I'm going to produce ozone, I actually build these, uh, Corona discharge, uh, units that I, uh, that I sell to, uh, uh, my clients that have ice machines. So uh, what I do is I actually hook this up to like restaurants and coffee shops, whatever, that actually has an ice machine. Um, so when, once I hook up my ice machine, sorry, once I hook up my uh, ozone um, generator to this, we clean the ice machine. Now the ice machine tray never has any type of algae, bacteria, or any type of growth on it meaning that the ice is not contaminated. Because if you go to 99% of uh, ice machines and you look at their tray, it's nothing but some gunk that's there, and that contaminates water. That's cool, man. So the ozone, it produces like, a, I don't know, like five, uh, five units of uh, gas, five to ten units of gas, um, it's a very small amount of gas that uh, gets injected into water, pushed through the system, so cleaning out all their pipes and everything like that. And then when it gets to the tray to make the ice, there's just a little bit of ozone gas that stays there at all, all times, disinfecting, um, uh, de decontaminating uh, the actual water that gets produced in, in the ice process. Because it radically oxidizes any biological... Right, it just kills everything. It kills everything in that space. It can burn your lungs up pretty bad, too, <laughs> speaking from experience. Well, you know what? I mean, listen, I, I, I huff that shit, too. I mean, I've, I've gotten myself to literally where my eyeballs, my nose, I'm just leaking, dude. It's just fucking leaking. Um... But at the end of the day, you know, I don't advise anyone to do that. You know, like you should know yourself and what your body's capable of doing. Uh, but me personally, I, I'll fucking huff that shit. I don't give a shit. It just cleans you out, bro. That's all it does. It cleans you out from head to toe. <laughs> We're talking about ozone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't say, like, you know, put on, like, a fucking helmet and dose up gas in there until, like, you know, you're doing whippets and shit with ozone. Not a good idea, folks. Not a good idea. But ozone Does is it great. Get you high, Does it get you high? Um, I don't think so. No. No. Yeah. And it's not a good idea. You're right. So don't put it in my scuba tank. Damn. No, we need some nitrogen in there so you can stay down longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, ozone, ozone doesn't have, I don't, I don't see it. it, there's, I don't know of any property that it would have to cause some type of, yeah, it just, it just oxidizes your, 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 basically your cavities, you know, your, your airwaves, your, your nostrils and this and that, and that just starts to release all type of mucus because that's what it does. 
Yeah. And my, my worst experience is using a, a spark, a brass screw spark gap. And I think that it was more than ozone. There, there must've been some other, yeah, I don't know. You could have, you could have been, it could have been a lot of Right. Ozone actually, like if you produce ozone, if you produce like a cup of ozone gas and you throw like a little computer chip in there, it'll start to eat that chip and release um, an actual toxin, a gas. So depending on what you had close to there, like even the casing on, um, on copper wire, right, it'll produce that into a gas. Yeah, like leeches, leeches it. It just eats it, dude. It just eats it. So it's a gas from gas to gas. You know, that's what it is because it just, it, it basically, yeah, it leeches. I mean, that's a good way to look at it. It's more like a cross-contamination type of thing. Anybody have anybody else have any water questions? Um, so I heard a state of H3O recently. What is that? Are you guys familiar? With yeah, that? that's that's ozone. Right? Or is that's that hydrogen? Three. That's hydrogen. That's a hydrogen hydrogenation. Okay. So yeah, so you're looking some, at, at hydrogen. Yeah, there's some um, research that's been done um, for for cancer. Uh, cancer, like cancer. Absolutely, you're 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 oxidizing the blood. Therefore, uh, cancer cannot live in an oxygenated environment. So, so it's flipped, actually. So it's you're hydrogenating it, right? So it's like yeah. You're getting... at, the end, at the end of the day, see. So when you talk about H three O, right? H three O is not natural. Okay, it's uh, it's an unstable molecule. Okay. So what happens is, just give me one second. <clears throat> so in nature, um, when this happens, it, there has to be a process. So everything has to go back to its original form. So you're always going to go back to H2O versus H3O, right? So that extra uh, molecule, when that detaches, it oxidizes, it oxidizes whatever it touches. So when we're looking at cancers and stuff like this, they can't live inside of that because of it's it's because of the oxygen. Yeah, that's interesting because I've actually tried this before um, with hydrogen peroxide. That's the H two O two. I guess that's the chemical makeup. But anyway, hydrogen peroxide therapy, where you get like food grade, and you can um, just drop drop a little bit of it into distilled water. And I tried it for like a week and just got off of it, but. Yeah, sure. If you keep going with it, apparently it can clean up your sinuses and like completely cleans out your insides. Well, what what you're doing is you're you're adding an extra uh, oxygen molecule um, into your body. So when you guys do the peroxide uh, therapy or regimen, um, make sure you're using food grade peroxide. So that's thirty to thirty five percent. If you can get it higher, great. But you're going to probably end up getting thirty to thirty five percent. Make sure you use that. Um, you basically take a cup of water. I would not use tap water. I would use a good water, like distilled water or water, something like that. Um, and I would start off with three to five drops um, every two to three days, increasing up until 20 drops, and then going backwards from 20 drops to the five drops. Do not, not lead yourself off going cold turkey. You will hurt yourself. But do your due diligence. Look into hydrogen peroxide therapy, and it will... 
cure you of a lot of different parasites, diseases, and help you to uh, help your body to um, help prevent all different types of illnesses, aches, pain, so forth and so on. I digress. Yeah, my parents were doing that for a while. My my dad dad actually got a hold of the concentrated on accident and drank way too much of it. And uh, yeah, he was like foaming at Oh god! But it was terrible. No, you can actually take some food grade uh, peroxide and just put a drop on your hand. Um, If you're a melanin person, black, uh, it'll turn your skin white, like literally, like no pigment in there, uh, because it'll oxidize. It'll just literally put oxygen in between the skin layers, and it'll turn it white, like you just bleached your skin. Uh, So people actually use it for bleaching purposes. Um, But if you're a white guy, like like the butthole. Yeah, I don't know. If it, yeah, I guess that's terrible. <laughs> no, that's cool, dude. But but it's a foreign industry joke. I'm sorry. If, if you're if you're a white guy and you put it on your skin, it'll literally you'll look albino. It'll pull every. It'll be white, white. It's fucking awesome. It scares the shit out of people. Yeah, I've gotten some concentrate on my skin before. <laughs> yeah, it does. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because I, I I have that stuff. You know, like I make my own peroxide, like all my stuff, and I use peroxide a lot. So my girlfriend, every once in a while, she'll, like, get the bottle of the concentrate stuff, and she'll, like, spray it on something, and her whole hand will just turn, like, all different types of specks of white. It's crazy. I think I misspoke earlier that his Bitcoin bum, you asked about H3. Like, H3 plus, I think, is some type of acid or some shit like that. But I I think some people, there's, like, a, some people call H3, like, hydrogenated water. So that I might have misspoken. I might have mistaken what you're asking me. I think he was talking to you, Bitcoin bum. Yeah, it was just because I'd never heard the um, H3O before, and I was just curious if it was uh, relevant, but then, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some people talk about it like it's hydrogenated water, so basically they'll take an electrolysis process and they'll uh, keep all the hydrogen in play, but then they'll, they'll vent all the oxygen off, um, and it's supposed to increase the amount of, of, of hydrogen you know, in, in the water and it's supposed to have a lot of health benefits, you know, cancer fighting properties, I guess. So with regards to the food grade, uh, peroxide in your water system, have any of you guys taken in any personal experiences with it? Advantageous or not? Any impacts? Um, yeah, like honestly I took it because I have asthma. Um, it's not so bad, but like I was going to the gym at the time and like only did it for like maybe two weeks. But honestly, I will say that I had, like, longer endurance on the bike. Um, I, I don't know if it's, like, it did actually increase my oxygen levels, I'm sure. But I would have liked to have tested it more. Hey, um, uh, you should look into uh, bay leaves, the uh, leaves you cook with. Uh, look into them and their properties on the lung. You can actually burn a bay leaf, inhale some of this uh, smoke. You don't got to do much. Uh, it'll actually... Um, uh, stimulate your 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 lungs. Um, you should look into it. Bay leaves. Mm. Cool. Yeah, and I've heard like eucalyptus oil as well, but I haven't tried either of those. But thank you. There's a lot of people in here. Any questions? Comments? Rants?
I was going to make a funny joke about shit coins, but not my brain anymore. Come on. Every joke about a shit coin is funny because if people got a shit coin, <laughs> you're fucked. But make that money while you can. What was that? <laughs> I said I have several myself. No, listen, make the money while you can, bro. I hope you guys jumped on the Shibu at the right time. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm just processing what you guys are talking about because a lot of this is new information. So thank you for, um, thank you for sharing it. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. And the worst yeah. shit coin I bought was fucking, what was it? Z-Max, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Damn. I lost so much money on that fucking coin. Was there, so when you're in your career with, uh, with water, including water, have you ever come across anything that even surprised you or that kind of took you aback? I mean, I, I, I mean, no, not really. I've seen some pretty bad um, substances, compounds in water, and I've seen some pretty bad ways of contaminating water. So I really don't know what you mean by taking me by surprise. Me, yes. Uh, tell us. Want to share? Please. Sure. I was doing an experiment, um, and I added uh, some uh, inter... So nanoparticulate carbon. I mean, you could call it graphene, but I don't have SEM. I'm not able to really see how fine a particulate it is, but it's, I, I put it in ultrasonic bath for quite a long time and did the proper protocols to make the stuff, right? And I was running my experiment and decided to add it. And uh, so uh, after a certain amount of time, um, suddenly, you know, my, the reaction kind of went, I don't know, it went apeshit. I've never seen it boil off so much water so fast. And um, it scared the shit out of me. And it scared the shit out of my wife, too. But it filled our, at the time, I lived in an apartment. And we were doing it, I was doing it in my front room. And it uh, filled our whole apartment with, like, this smoky steam. It smelled like sulfur. That was the most, that was the <laughs> freakiest thing that's ever happened with water for me. Wait, let, let's, you took this, this graphene, so... How did you produce it? Did you just like go to like some carbon or some graphite and pull it off with some so, tape? This no, 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 no. This is a, a mass produ production of gra graphene. So what you do is you take a graph foil. You know they use it for gaskets okay. and stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're getting a little okay. bit more in, into a lab and technical. All right, I got. You. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. And then right. um, you use an electrolysis process. And there's a guy named Robert Murray Smith. He has yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Right, so you took this and then you just let it sit in water and it had this reaction? No, I was doing the electrolytic plasma experiments. Um, so, and then after you did your experiments, you just let it sit and then it did something. It had a reaction. Is that, is that what you No, while, while I was running the experiments, it, it, it went radical on me. It, it, I have never seen it. Uh, I, I've never seen it boil off that fast. And unfortunately, like I said, it was another one of those times where I had sensor problems. So, like, I couldn't get any data from real it, data I, yeah you can right. do anything right so that's a, that's a, been a problem for a while now but I, i'm just finally solving and i just got, uh we just purchased a house a little bit ago you know and i'm finally getting my lab set up so um, i'm pumped to be doing the experiments more and keep keep going down that rabbit hole 
Huh. But yeah. It, uh, did you the, ever look into what Edison did with his um, his like filaments and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like his use of bamboo. Yeah, using uh, basically a carbon filament. Right, made out of made exact from bamboo specifically. I mean, there's a certain right. type someone of bamboo up, that produces this the certain filament. Right, and someone brought up hemp earlier too, and so that was another that was another uh, idea. If you that... look at hemp, if you look at hemp, he has um, uh, Edison has documentation of using hemp as as like a filament as as a carbon and stuff like that, um, because you you look at like. Um, Henry Ford and all these guys, they were all using hemp. Like they, he tried to use it already. So there's scientific data. And I believe, um, I'd yeah, have, to, I, like I have to look into this, but if you look into Edison's, uh, bamboo filament, that was actually produced by the Japanese. It was Japanese technology. Uh, that Edison used for that. And if you go and find out who they are, I forgot who they were. I believe they have like abstracts of them using all types of crazy shit as like a filament. So now I don't know how you're producing this, this uh, plasma fits through like a spark gap or whatever the case is. Like, I, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, so it's uh, <laughs> electrolytic balance of a, of a cell using the proper amount of um, surface area of, of uh, the cathode, but it's, you can, it can be produced on the cathode or, or anode. It just kind of depends. Um, there's, there's a lot, of, there's lots to talk about about it, but I mean, the surface tension of the water affects it heavily because it increases the amount of, of current on the electrode, right? You're, you're, you're increasing the current density to a very fine point. So I don't know if you have studied Tesla's work or, or, or uh, I, I've tried as yeah. much as I, I get from it. I've tried. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah, um, I mean, the difference between a point and a sphere, you know, is like there's more capacity in a sphere than there's a point, right? So you're able to discharge out of a point much much easily easier, right? So you can create a plasma on this on a point. Um, and there's lots of like cell geometry you can use too to to increase uh, the chances of it ha happening. But, you know, it's just, it's basically like tuning. You're like tuning an instrument. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Everything is tuning, bro. Matter of fact, everything is fine tuning. Right, with well, a fine tuning, like, uh, I added this other parameter, right, and that was just because the sensors died and I'm just like, fuck it, and I'm just, you know, trying to, pl I'm, pl I, you know, playful. Like, I want to play around, too, at the same time. Uh, why trying to be safe? <laughs> so there's a, there's a balance there, but fuck that. Don't be safe. Dude. Blow, <laughs> blow holes. Blow holes. In I got kids that depend on me, so I got to be kind of safe, right? But um, but yeah. So there's there's also this other phenomenon called uh, Tesla phoresis. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or seen it. Oh, ever heard let me look it up. I mean, essentially, it's done using carbon. Um, and wait, what, what did you say with Tesla? What Tesla phoresis? I can't remember the academic college that kind of uh, worked at it, you know, primarily and came up with it, but uh, things like Rice Institute or something like that. Uh, but you, they would put water or no, they put carbon um, and they put, uh, you know, Tesla coil 
in the carbon and they can they could actually cohere the carbon to certain channels like fractal pattern channels right you can and it would follow the lines and the carbon would self-organize just by putting a voltage in it it's kind of it's kind of cool kind of interesting little experiment yeah it's what they're doing today in their vaccines but go ahead <laughs> well yeah perhaps maybe you're right i don't know enough about that but um but what what's interesting is when you have more surface area right usually the current increases well in this particular experiment i was still monitoring the power um, and as it went radical, I didn't see any increase in power. In fact, it went lower. So, and that's kind of tends to happen in, um, in the, when the plasma develops because, uh, plasma is highly conductive, which is something that is very interesting to think about. But, uh, yeah, it's just the whole thing is, uh, is fun and interesting. So I continue down that path. Do you do when you, what kind of water are you using? I can't, I can't use, I have to use as purest water as I can. I, I would love to get like DI water, you know, laboratory grade, but the shit is so expensive. Listen, so. Try, try this. Um, if you have a 3d printer, do you have a 3d printer? I, I do. You can go online and type in vortex water and you can print out a little nozzle. It'll vortex your water. Okay. You can also build like this vessel where you can, um, create, an actual vortex inside this vessel to keep it going with a little like fish pump. Okay. That right there will definitely hang with it, depending on direction you go on increasing the actual tension of the water or decreasing it, depending on if you go clockwise or counterclockwise. So look into the vortex technology. So restructure the water. Yeah. One of, one of the experiments I actually do, like I'll perform that, but what's beautiful, um, like I said, there's a lots of different cell geometry, and I've been doing it, doing it for a while, so there's lots of different uh, things that I've kind of come across that have helped and also hurt the, the situation, right? The process and, and the reaction and the phenomenon that's going on. But um, in particular, um, the reason why I have to use distilled water is because I have to get out all the impurities for when I put um, potassium hydroxide in it or... Uh, no, what I'm saying is you can still use... So I can't have any... You can still use your distilled water, right? So let's just say, let's just say you have your 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 distiller, okay, and then it goes to a vessel where you're holding your water. You can actually do it right in there. You know that you can do that with magnets if you have an ionic solution, an electro electrolytic, uh, like ele electrolysis happening. Have you ever seen that? You can actually yeah, put a magnet, depending on if the magnet's north or south, it'll actually spin. The water clockwise or counterclockwise. It's kind of a very interesting. Well, if you can up. produce, if you can produce the vortex with magnets, um, and then you can now test the actual tension of that water, and you can increase it or decrease it, still keeping it distilled. You can do that right in the vessel that you already have your distilled water in. So now you're not you're not adding any air or anything, any other contaminants to it. All you have to do is create the vortex in whatever vessel you have it. So depending on if this vortex is spinning, uh, I, I got to look into it. But I believe, let's just say, if it spins clockwise, that's plus. If it spins counterclockwise, that's negative. So you can look at it that way or vice versa, however you want. But I, right. I, I really don't know that the mathematics on that uh, because I never really got into it. But it's there. It's, it's definitely there. Like the uh, the science behind it, if you if you, if you want to look into that. Oh, yeah, I have I have 
I've looked into a lot of fringe scientists. I guess like I brought up Victor Schauberger earlier, right? No, Schauberger. Listen, I everyone should know about Schauberger and and his 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 concept and his technologies and and how he came about because he's he's a simple man who broke broke it down elegantly. He's got some interesting uh, hypotheses and theories on things that I always enjoy listening to different people's hypotheses. I agree. Listen, it's to me the the guy is onto something. If they can prove it, that's that's the real challenge, right? If they can prove that it actually works, that's always the real challenge. That's subject, because now you're bringing in a third party. Yeah, anybody who uses it or sees it it with their own eyes, right? Right. I mean, listen, I've done it. I've seen it. And you know what? I'm all for it. I mean, I haven't practiced all his technologies and this and that, but a couple of the concepts that he just brought into life that people have been using for a while, you know what? They, They work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you, you ever heard of thermo, thermoacoustics? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's also plays a part in in what a, like the reactor I have. Yeah, the there, was, there was that. There was the um, what was that guy? I believe he was a a, a black dude. Uh, I believe he was in the islands, like Virgin Islands or something like that, where he actually boiled water with a saxophone. He literally played a certain note on a saxophone, um, and it boiled water. He took that and he made uh, this little unit, this device that literally boiled water with, with sound. Just YouTube it. It's there. I mean, yeah, I, don't yeah. it, I don't know if it's real or whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, like. I've heard of stories like that. So, and the, the interesting thing is you could say boiling water, but it could be just the vapor pressure, right? You could, they could be, it could be cold and steam. It doesn't necessarily have to be hot. Well, I mean, it's the same thing like as a microwave. atomizer, right? That's what an atomizer does. It's the same thing as a microwave. You know, you're, you're taking these things and you're making these, these molecules resonate where they start vibrating, creating friction, creating heat. It's resonant frequency. Or just breaking apart and turning into gas. You know, it's theirs, but I mean, that's all comes down to resonant, resonance frequencies, resonant frequencies, you know, matching the frequency of the water so you can manipulate it now. But now we're going into like Ubuntu technology and tapping into Gaia. So, uh, I mean, resonant frequencies is very <laughs> is needed in in a lot of fields. I mean, like the understanding of that. Otherwise, well, you just, have... people should understand. We resonate at a frequency, and we should understand that frequency, and that's you know self knowledge and self awareness. And once we do that, now we can know what we attract and what we don't because now we've just turned ourselves into a magnet. The laws of attraction. And that's just a little, a little tiny, a little tiny pimple. It's a blip. Yeah, uh, no, it's, but a, it's nothing, man. Like that shit, open, I it opens the door, though, right? Yeah, I do. That shit confuses people more than anything, dude. Because the next thing you know, they don't know what intent is, and then they have bad intent because they're indoctrinated and all kinds of shit. Next thing you know, you got a bunch of people casting spells for no reason. You know, they fucking hung witches for that reason. <laughs> they slipped and landed right into witchcraft, <laughs> like. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know? Look, you hear how uh, Bitcoin bumps? You jumped right in. Look, uh oh, 
As soon as she heard witchcraft. Yeah, well, we hit, we hit, we hit a nerve right there. Hey, bum, you wanna you wanna let us know about that right there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to learn though, but hey, there's no way. Yeah, what's going on? Listen, you sound like you could teach me a few lessons. If you go ahead. I, I ain't teaching nobody nothing. We could just talk about it. You know, I'm trying to be a wizard up in this bitch, you know? So go ahead. <laughs> you ever hear of, of a uh, Hemholtz resonator? A Hemble? No. Uh, Hemholtz? Hemholtz resonator? You ever blown into a bottle before? Yes, okay, okay. That's a that's a like a Hemholtz resonator, but there's an experiment you can do where if you have a bottle attached to you know like a, a pivot point, you can actually play a frequency and it will um, create force and you know spin around. But I mean, in terms of like intense. Sorry, dude. I was just gonna say, in terms of intention, like witchcraft or not any form of ritual, but really it is interesting because the human body is mostly composed of water, right? We have a lot of water in our system and it's like if you can impact that water with intent, how can that, like, can that not benefit us in many ways? Absolutely. But that's where, you know, if you look at to uh, even the emotal technology, you know, if you produce positive thoughts, you're going to produce positive energy. You produce loving thoughts, you're going to produce loving energy. So whatever thoughts you have is what you're going to give out. You know, that's what you're going to be, let's say, resonating at. So if you're having these evil thoughts and then evil things are going to happen, that's where stress, cancer, and all that, you know, this is information that's everyone knows already. But all right, but is intent power, powerful enough to change, say, for example, tap water, right? So you don't necessarily recommend tap water. But if is there a way that with our intent, if you don't have access to, say, um, water, what is, sorry, I had it here, you called it something. God damn it. Well, yeah, I mean, you can take tap water, you know, and say, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to use the word uh, pure. And then put that underneath the bottle or whatever mason jar and stick that in your window. And now you can let the sun and the moon have its effect on the water, uh, putting that intent in it. And you're transforming the water, of course, because even some of the bad impurities like the chlorine and, and all those things, those things are just gas. You know, so once you let water sit, it will automatically come out. So if you look at like a swimming pool, the reason a swimming pool gets depleted of chlorine is because of the sun. The sun pulls that shit right out. So if it was always night or you cover your pool, you don't lose the chlorine. That's very useful for me. Thank you. Why? You own a pool? No, no. But I mean in terms that, like, um, I don't have access to a water filtration system necessarily, and I, I, I don't live in a house or anything, so... Something as simple as like putting in water. Okay, so here's basic filtration, okay? To filter something, you need to apply something, right? So you can walk right outside your house right now and you can go get some dry grass and you can go get some sand and some dirt and some rocks. You can even get crazy and build a bonfire and make yourself some carbon and you could stick all this in a plastic bottle, run water through it, and you've just created a filter. 
you know, so there's a filter. When you look at filtration, you have to understand that filtration comes with, uh, by a medium. So when in my systems, I have a paper filter, right? That would be the first stage. So the only thing paper does is really sediment. So your, your dust, debris, dirt, sand, stuff like that, like the big stuff that takes care of that. Right. And then I run it through, like, let's say carbon. Carbon takes care of the taste, the odor, uh, some gases and stuff like that. And then I run it through another thing, like activated aluminum. That'll take care of your fluoride or whatever the case is. And then I might run it through, I don't know, let's say some like KDF, which is another medium. Uh, that'll take care of your arsenic and some other things. You know, so media um, is all really geared to one thing. So now you have to understand your water. Like, are you coming out of the well? Well, if you're coming out of the well, it's sulfur, it's iron, you know, these are all things that the rock or, um, or the groundwater touch. So it's either too much minerals, not enough minerals, too much of this, too much of that. And that's basically your problem with wells. So now you got to figure out what's in your well, what's it producing. And now you can actually produce a good water by getting rid of just those unwanted contaminants or too much of something unwanted good work. But that's, that's media, that's filtration. Anything else is purification. That means you're either reverse osmosing it where you're stripping the water down to its original molecule, 0.002 of a micron, or you distill it where now you're changing the actual properties. You're changing it from a liquid to a gas back to a liquid. Thank you for that. But you should go buy a pool. Now you have 20,000 gallons plus on reserve at all times. Well, it's just discussion? a wonderful activity. Lots of fun. Has there been any discussion about pH and you know, the body pH as well? Like, yeah, uh, I remember hearing, a, hearing a talk from um, somebody who was a cancer survivor, and she was convinced that... Uh, it was the acidification of our bodies that has to do a lot with um, the development of cancers. In our exactly body. right. We were talking about that earlier, about hydrogenation of water and some of these hydrogenation cells using um, um, PEM, which is a polymer electrolytic membrane, right? It's a really efficient way of doing electrolysis. And it kicks out all the oxygen and just kind of makes the water really hydrogen-rich. There's a lot of studies about it, how it, it has the potential to help fight cancer, I guess. Well, I, if we look into cancer and from, you know, a layman's perspective, cancer cannot live in an oxygenated body or an alkaline body. So the human body uh, is usually geared to about 7.3. So if we're looking on the alkaline scale, we have zero acid, 14 alkaline uh seven would be neutral or base so the human body should be at like seven two seven three um if the body hits seven eight eight yeah you will actually go into something called alatosis which is a disease um and you can put your body into this it's very difficult but if your body does get into this it's very hard to make the body acidic once it's overly alkaline um, it's not that hard to take an acidic body 
and make it alkaline. You just got to start incorporating alkaline foods and substances and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you do your research, cancer does not exist in anything oxygenated or alkaline. And to what degree do you think we, the things we eat or drink, like I think about the carbonated waters being real popular and people are just drinking that up, but it's just a bunch well, of car carbonated acids. So, yeah. Well, carbonated water is not, it's not bad. Um, it's the sugar. It's, the not, sugar it's, not, it's not harmful. Um, so if we take a decent water, you know, filtered water, spring water, like a decent source of water, and uh, we incorporate uh, CO2 um, as a gas, um, it's not bad for you. Like, there, there's nothing there that's going to harm the body, uh, but it's actually, uh, it does the body good because with that carbonation inside the stomach actually turns everything around, and it actually pushes things into the places where it needs to be. Um, so, uh, adding gas to water, uh, like a natural gas that the, that the body can digest or release without it being harmful is not a bad thing. But when you go buy, you know, like Canada dry, uh, tonics and seltzer water and all that, you're, you're eating sugar. Yeah. The sugar and, and a lot of the processed foods that are, I mean, all the sugars, the different types of sugars there are that that's plays a bigger, um, acidification it, effect. If, if you people are big or whoever's in this room, you're big in uh, like carbonated water or carbonated beverages, um, I would suggest that you literally go buy yourself a scuba diving tank or uh, like one of these uh, metal paintballing uh, vessels. You can throw some dry ice in there. Um, it'll produce CO2, and then all you have to do is hook this up to um, some type of water supply. Um, and you can make your own carbonated water without all the extra soap. Yeah, they have like soda streams and things like that too. Where you just get the CO2 yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. You can, anyone can go out and buy like a like a fifty dollar machine that like a soda stream or something like that. Uh, fifty bucks, hundred bucks. I don't know what they cost. I wouldn't use that. But there's plenty of options out there for you to be conscious and aware of what you're putting into your body. But if you're going out to the convenience store or wherever you buy your drinks, remember, you're supporting Nest, Nest, you're supporting Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Those are the two biggest bottling companies on, on the planet right now. So that's who you're supporting. And they're not there for your health. They're there for a profit. And to agree to agree with that, but I would also be very careful, people, with these high alkaline beverages. Uh, what's the term? Uh, I believe it's Kagan, like Kagan water. When you're looking at water that's alkaline, 10, 11, up to 14%, do not drink that. Like, I mean, you yeah, do what I you want. stumbled across that shit while I was looking into this whole thing about pH, and, uh, yeah, I found all those alkaline beverages that playing off of people being told that too much acid in their diet is, uh, is the, is the problem. So here, do this completely well, other. I mean, you, when, when you look at Kagan water, you're looking at medical applications. 
Like when you go that high on the alkalinity scale or you go that low on the acidic scale, like we could just interpret this as being medical uh, for medical purposes only. But I mean, I, if I were an average individual, you know, I wouldn't put anything that's really high. I would put things that are eight, nine at most. I would not push anything higher than nine on the alkalinity scale. You're just putting too much um, alkalinity into the body where the body doesn't know how to, how to process it, how to break it down naturally uh, without having some type of short-term or long-term effect. Um, if you're looking for alkalinity, um, drink a juice. Like actually learn how to juice and process that and drink some green bitter stuff and you will alkaline yourself. You can uh, use lemon, throw lemon in your water, you will alkaline yourself. Do not use that store lemon juice shit that is 100% acid. You could throw that shit in your car battery and run your car off of that stuff. Do not cook with it. Don't do none of that. But now we're looking at, you know, processed foods and all that, and that's where a lot of the acid comes from. Especially refined sugar and flour. Anything processed is garbage. I don't care what it is. Tea, sugar, flour, rice. I don't give a shit what it is. If it's processed, it doesn't necessarily come in white either. Because even those, that brown sugar shit is just white sugar spray-painted brown. So be careful what you guys are putting into your body. Like, be conscious of what, what you guys eat. Ingest. Taste but sing. Uh, dude, I hear you, bro. When you're 65 years old, it's going to make the doctor sing because you just bought his wife a new Mercedes. That's funny. That's not, I'm dead serious. There's no humor in that. Besides, just all the lives in your body with water, there's some meat, type of meat or poultry, fish, dairy, eggs, grains, and alcohol. They will all increase the acidity on your body. And if you want to alcoholize your body, you have to change your diet. You know, eat your greens, basically. I don't want to be like grandma over here, but you have to eat your foods, not legumes and vegetables and green leafy vegetables you have to eat your life out of asparagus is very high enough alkaline as well so you gotta change your diet and basically not eat right. anything packaged anything from others. okay gk we need you to cook for all of us i love cooking okay so you know where we are we're all going to gk's house people all right i live middle of new york i choose my uh Food from top-notch groceries. I always go for organic, uh, fresh food, and I cook for myself and for my family. I'm against any packaged food, not even canned stuff. You know, I soak my uh, chickpeas. I don't get canned stuff. They also have, you know, some acidity in them as well. See? That's what people need to do. Yeah, since you like cooking and I like eating, I you even get testifies uh, in your skin, through your skin, the t-shirt that you're wearing, the white t-shirt that you're wearing, 
the cotton is not white white outside the cotton is more like beige color they're using like crazy amount of chemicals and pesticides for uh, cotton especially in the last uh, 25 30 years and it's insane from the moment that cotton starts to grow they're pesticizing until they pick up the cotton and then they're bleaching it and then you're wearing that white t-shirt going to the gym and you're working out and your pores are opening up and soaking all that poison inside. So I would, I would, that's what I get for my kids, I get organic cotton uh, undershirts for them. The one that directly touches their skin. Is anybody familiar with like a Gershon therapy? I am. No, you want to explain it to us, please? Um, yeah, you can explain it, but I'm, I'm familiar with, with pretty much all those doctrines, like Dr. Shaby and, and all that stuff. Like anyone who can actually take uh, organic matter and use it to the best ability for what it's used, I'm all for it. But go ahead with the Gershon. So essentially, <clears throat> there is a doctor, uh, and I don't remember... His full name, but obviously his last name is Gershon, uh, I think from the 1930s, who started experimenting with cancer patients and found that a regimen of like uh, raw and organic foods, um, you know, like straight from the garden as fresh as possible and just pure unprocessed foods and, and copious amounts of it seemed to treat the cancer patients and um, help revert the radical, you know, the radical spread of, of mutated cells and the, uh, you know, the, the principle behind it kind of is similar, you know, the, uh, alkalining the body, but there's also a whole bunch of like, um, you know, minerals and, and ways for your body to heal itself. Uh, it's very interesting, but unfortunately it's not really taught in mainstream and, uh, and, and most doctors offices, but their, but their biggest regimen is juicing because you can condense a large amount of micronutrients and stuff into a very small, you know, cause there's, cause unfortunately like leafy greens and stuff like that, they have a lot of fiber. And so the minerals are locked the mineral minerals and nutraceuticals and all that kind of stuff are locked away. And, uh, so juicing it using like a masticating juicer without getting it hot, right. Would, uh, would it like would allow people to absorb more of the nutrients so that you put people on a regimen of that. And then the, the most extreme part of it uh, is that, you know, he also said, you know, did coffee enemas and shit like that in order to take out a lot of the uh, like toxins out of your body, which is kind of, kind of radical, a little, a little weird. Some people are freaked out about that, but yeah. I think juicing is a little tricky. You have to know what you're juicing. If you're juicing an orange juice, instead of eating a one orange, you are sugar-loading yourself. So you can't be juicing sugary fruits like pineapples and all that stuff because you need the fiber in your body. Juicing separates the fiber from the juice. So instead of juicing it, you could just turn it into smoothie. Just make it a smoothie and drink it that way and you'll absorb it. Again, not for orange, not for pineapple, not for any sugary fruits. You can take like a whole bushel of, of kale and a whole head of, of you know, or, you know, you can take a whole bunch of leafy greens and condense it into, you know, a very small amount. So instead of, you know, 
blending it with like a, you know, a really high end blender, there's still that fibers and it's also your oxidate, you're oxygenating, um, some of the, uh, vitamins and minerals, which can change their, you know, molecular compound and, and make them not as absorbent and there's problems that arise from oxygenation. So that's why it's recommended to have uh, this masticating style juicer or a hand crank juicer um, that just basically just smack, just squeezes everything out of the uh, uh, cellular walls of, of the fruits and vegetables, primarily vegetables. But, you know, the regimen, you know, a lot of times was like kale and char and uh, really deep leafy greens, uh, cucumber, and then lots of roots too, like um, turmeric and ginger and um, galanga and stuff like that. Uh, I definitely use them. And you could also use blue algae. They are like, they have the highest antioxidant contact on earth. And you put a tiny bit of it, it'll turn your entire sweet into blue and it's, it's super healthy. So I highly recommend that everyone would get some of these in their smoothies. And you could also get some flex seed. In chia seed, these are also very, uh, you know, they will alkalize your bodies as well. Um, yeah. yeah it's interesting the experiments of it, but unfortunately, the Gershon treatment, you, can only, you have to go to, like, Mexico for it. You know, it costs quite a bit of money, but it's probably not too much different than most medical bills, but um, it's an alternative therapy treatment. So it's kind of been pushed out of the U.S. because it, it's not uh, FDA approved. Surprise, surprise. So. I feel like South America has an opportunity to make a lot of money, even off North America's. Um, yeah. He, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. He was talking about a Max Gershon GR. Max, thank you. Right, it's M-A-X-G-R-S-O-N. Uh, you guys can look him up. Um, when it comes to his juice, daughter carried the torch, right? His daughter's kind of keep is, has kept it going. Yeah, I mean, you know, these there's like these people and people understand this and and don't take it for out of context. These people create cults. Go look up the word cult and have an understanding of what the word cult is before you get your panties in a bunch. Um, these people start these little cults and they have followings and they also heal people. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of data, a lot of research inside these organizations, cults, um, and they do last a long time. And I do believe, uh, their concept or therapy or, uh, regimen, um, is still in existence in certain places uh, throughout the world. But that also goes for even, uh, what's his name, like Dr. Sabi. Uh, you guys check him out. Um, he's got a great um, uh, doctrine and way of uh, treating cancers and what his opinion is on uh, the, harmful, um, um, the harmful material that the body can produce, like mucus. And Sabi believes that mucus is what the body produces when it's sick. And if you get rid of the mucus out of the body... You'll never be sick. Um, but back to the Gershon therapy. Um, people need to keep in mind, when you're juicing, okay, regardless of what intent you have when you're juicing, um, the concept of juicing today is more based on profit than health. Okay, so 
we should keep in mind when we're juicing, there is no need to juice 30 heads of lettuce, 22 carrots, and a pickle um, just because you believe that you're putting in the substance and it's going to do your body good. It does not do your body good, and I will explain. For you to fill up a cup of, let's say, cucumbers, let's say it takes 20 cucumbers to give you a cup of liquid, you physically could not eat 20 cucumbers without making yourself sick. So why would you juice 20 cucumbers and drink that juice? What you're doing is you're making your body work overtime. Okay. Well, you're concentrating it. I mean, that's just like in medicine. That, that's, that's fine. You can concentrate whatever you want. But at the end of the day, when you continuously do this to the body, the body is only going to take what it needs. And it's going to release the rest. So, so, so when you're doing, let's, I'm going to bring it to a, a very small layman scale. When people do, um, um, when you do these magnesium baths, so when you do uh, uh, Epsom salt in your bathtub and you're sitting there soaking, the best way to get this magnesium into your body is actually through your pores. Now, if you're not eating zinc or you don't have any zinc intake, guess what? Your body will not absorb any of this. So by you putting all of these vegetables and all these components into your body, you have to make sure that you understand what you're doing here. So a better way and a healthier way for people to juice would be just keep in mind whatever you would make in a salad or whatever you would do for a meal, take that, run it through your juicer, run it through your Vitamix or your food processor or whatever the case is, however you're going to incorporate this and eat just that. If your intent is to say, hey, um, I don't need the fiber because of my weight, because of my health, because of this and that, and then keep it to juicing only. But just really understand and do your due diligence on on what is healthy and what is being sold to you. I digress. Yeah, there's lots of really good recipes to that kind of have a whole whole foods approach, right? So multiple, like you said, different nutrients that kind of interact with each other and, and help each other out. Like um, one of my fa- one of my favorite recipes is actually the kale. Uh, green apple for, for for a little bit of sweetness, so it's not overly bitter. It's still pretty bitter, but not as bad with some green apple. And then uh, lemon, cucumber, ginger. And, yeah, that's it. It's, it's pretty good. Now, I hear you. Dude, there's many good natural sweeteners, like honey. And, you know, you got a bunch of cool sweeteners out there. Um, so if you're looking to change the taste, then you can always, you know, add something like either bitter or, or something a little bit more tart or something like that that uh, makes it more palatable. To grow some mint. If, it, if anybody is going to do this, though, get ready because the first... First little while, you'll get cleaned out if you're, if you're doing like a juice fast or any type right. of extreme change of diet. It's coming out of your ass. Get the yeah, exactly. That's what he's trying to let you know, guys. Get ready. Literally. Get ready. 
You might as well get the enema bag and help your shit out, literally. But I, I, it's anecdotal, but I mean, I've never felt better in my life when I'm going hard on like juice, like a juice fast and, um, you know, exercise to keep my blood flowing. Yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're also conscious of what you're doing because you, you've, you've had the experience and stuff like that. When a lot yeah, of people, with my body and, right. And, when, when a lot of people are newcomers, they don't know how to listen to their body. So they end up listening to someone else's body and that, that you got to put on the scale also. That's why I put that disclaimer. <laughs> if you're going to start doing this, to be careful. I like to add something onto the fiber uh, subject. Uh, fibers are carbohydrates that our bodies cannot digest. Uh, animals like lamb, they have like four compartments in their uh, you know, stomach and they, um, they could digest the cellulose uh, in the fiber. Cellulose is basically the skin of the, all the vegetables. Your body usually di doesn't digest the fiber. It just gives a vitamin D and it gives a nice weight in your system so you could actually, it, it food moves into your system. And you they need that. You use the scra to scrape you out a little bit too, right? Clean you out. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, helpful. I mean, you're, you have a two different types of digestion. One is chemical and one is physical in your stomach. Okay, so chemical, once you get the food and uh, it shoots out the acids from your uh, uh, organs and what is it? Uh, pancreas, right, and then it digests the food. You also have a physical digestion. Your stomach is vibrating, moving around. That's why when you uh, eat food, you kind of start feeling a little uh, uh, sleepy because the blood starts uh, so circling around and, and just kind of gathers around your stomach. That's why you feel a little, you know, sleepy. But you have to have that uh, physical digestion at the same time, uh, chemicals. If you only do juicing, if you only do smoothies, your stomach just starts getting lazy. And once uh, the food comes in, you're, you're shooting acid in there to digest. But now you almost, uh, uh, you know, you, you crash the food already when you digest is supposed to start with your mouth and you're supposed to chew it, swallow it, and then uh, start digesting slowly. Now it's all in there. That acid is just sitting there. So you, you, you can't just continue doing this diet every day. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah, have to yeah. eat your food, guys. You got to chew your food. You have to eat your food. You mean juicing? Well, she means more like fiber. You know, your your body, your muscle mass, like all of this still needs fiber. So right. but inc incorporate some fiber into your diet. Yeah. That's why I, I was just saying like you're fast, right? Temporary. But who would want to drink juice for the rest of their life? That would be crap. You got a bunch of idiots out there that love juicing all day long, six times a day. They go do their yoga class, their Pilates and all that shit. And they're running around here like a toothpick ready to break in half. They're drinking lemon water every morning when they wake up. Okay, when you wake up in the morning, your stomach is empty. And what do you think uh, your stomach is not digesting itself and right? your stomach is not made out of steel? 
it's still a, an organ, right? How is it that it's digesting the food and it's not digesting itself? It has a lining in there, right? You have that mucus kind of type of lining. So what you think of and that? you're drinking that lemon water every day, shooting the acid into your stomach. I what about intermittent fasting or fasting? Uh, lemon, lemon, lemon water is not acid. And even if the lemon produces Lemon acid, will alkalize your body. But what I'm saying is that don't drink into your uh, empty stomach in the morning. And right, don't, right, don't right. turn it into a habit. And it will we, mess up the lining of your stomach. Because it happens just... Yes, acid, acid leads to ulcers, people. But other than that, a lot of times, I go, like I go with Mediterranean works, diet. Right? I mean, you, you go with the Mediterranean diet. We never use those salad sauces from bottles for our salad. We always use fresh lemon juice and olive oil. That's it. That's the best dressing you could use for your salad. Forget the bottled stuff. I agree. Forget the bottled stuff, people. What happens if you're in a food desert? And then you're not getting anything. Is there a solution to that? Does Bitcoin fix this? Yeah, Bitcoin gets you heirloom seeds to fucking start growing your shit, dude. Producing your energy so you can get to mining and keep the fucking network going, dude. Get your shit together, people. Let's go. Let's 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 grow hemp. I want I want to see the world run on hemp fuel. Let's go. Oh, go down to Kentucky. Kentucky is the biggest producer of hemp and hemp products, bro. They're they're doing it down there hard right now. If we could just transition to paper, even instead of trees, that using hemp, that would be. I'd be happy with that. Even I agree, but you, you, paper alone doesn't yeah. it use like one third of the world's. Did you guys know that well, declaration of independence is made out of hemp? Yep. Well, listen. The, the first, the first production car. If you go Google Henry Ford and the T-type. That whole car was, I believe, uh, 70, let's just say, it was a little off, but you can do your own Google. Henry Ford's T-Type, uh, the car was basically 80% out of a hemp composite. The only thing that wasn't produced from hemp was everything that needed to be steel. So you're talking your clutches, your brakes, uh, your, your frame and everything. But they actually produced a, a fairing an outer shell out of a hemp composite that was stronger than steel. There's videos of them literally taking a sledgehammer to the quarter panel of a T-type and creating a dent and then pushing that shit right back out. Like, it never happened. Yeah, I've heard, heard stories and seen a few pictures of that. I don't, it's kind yeah. of a, it's, it's a mixed bag. It's kind of like the Gershon therapy. If you go look it up, it's like a 50-50 kind of deal. Like, well, I mean, you know, when, when you look at like the first, uh, when you look at Henry Ford and what he was doing, like uh, there really wasn't that much fuel as we know today, like this com combustion uh, oil that comes from the Middle East and stuff like that. It was all ethanol produced from mostly hemp and corn. But a lot of that, uh, Henry Ford, and I'm just talking about Henry Ford, uh, a lot of his production was made from hemp. So his fuels were made from hemp, his plastics, his composites, his, uh, um, his lining and uh, uh, cloth was all hemp. So when you look at like even canvas, paintings, canvas, that's all hemp. Yep. Do, do you, uh, 
do you have any thoughts on like Rudolph um, Diesel? You know anything about him? I do. I mean, but I mean, I I think you know what he tried to uh, what he tried to project into society was great. But at the end of the day, like none of this stuff picks up because you still have uh, you still have these conglomerates and these monopolies and and big business um, uh, uh, perpetuating the 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 nonsense. You know why why didn't Nikola Tesla give free energy to the world? Because Edison was like, "What? I'm not making no money." You know, why do these people not give a, able to give out this technology to the people? Because at the end of the day, there's no money to be made. You telling me like Duke uh, Dunlop doesn't have a tire that lasts for life? Of course they do. They're just not going to sell it to you because uh, they never make another dollar again. Engineered obsolescence, I believe, is what it's called, right? Yeah, there's so many crazy terms for it, but yeah, that's that's. We've even heard of battery tech and and solar tech that's been deliberately hampered for over a decade because they don't want it to exist. Exactly. I mean, look at the first motor. The first motor that was produced was was um, was steam powered. And believe it or not, it's still more efficient than a combustion motor today. Well, dude, even the diesel engine is more efficient than the combustion engine today. Like a diesel motor, dude. Plus, you could rain it off of any peanut oil. Yeah, you could. Volkswagen TDIs, bro. Those things go forever and ever and ever. Oh, now now you're talking about, uh uh-oh. We're getting 2021 technology. No, you need a pre you need a pre uh, pre two thousand and three Volkswagen TDI. So like anywhere between like a ninety eight two thousand and three, preferably after uh, ninety nine, get an AOH TDI. That thing is the most is probably the best engine ever invented, in my opinion. Listen, I I have a ninety one A A one style convertible that has twenty three inch calipers on there. I fucking board that thing as far as it can go. I need to find uh, uh, a turbo off of an old uh, diesel uh, Mercedes. So I need one of their, uh, oh, shit, what more car did I need? Anyway, I need this little turbo so I can stick on there, and I can't find the fucker. But, oh, part of my French people. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twitter's a pretty adult space. No, I don't give a shit, dude. People, people get offended, you know, so disclaimer. I, I apologize, but at the end of the day, I'm from New York City. I got no education. Uh, well, the, the one that you would consider an education. So uh, I just got to put that out there, you know. I don't, I don't want any of, these, any of these millennials to get their, their panties all up in a bunch and get sensitive and then, you know, treat me like they treat Dave Chappelle and shit. I'm from Australia. It's guaranteed, hence my name. Right? See? <laughs> Bullshit, this was something we were talking about before. We spoke to an engineer and he said that um, most things in the world today are planned to have between 25 and 50% inefficiencies. Absolutely. Look at, yeah. look at, look, just look at the car industry, right? If we go back, yeah. if we go back to the 1950s, 60s, uh, the concept of a vehicle was you buy one vehicle per family and it lasts you a lifetime. Look at the TVs, look at everything that they built in the 50s. It was meant to last a lifetime. Uh, yeah. Appliances, the, everything. Now, the running joke was you buy a fridge from the 50s and it will outlast two generations of your family. 
Absolutely. Now you look at today, you look at the car industry. It's geared to recycling cars for leases. So every three years, that shit is guaranteed to break. Well, you know, so why, you that that is, why, why, is, why is so much engineered obsolescence? So it, this, this comes from the commodity okay. trade industry. It's, it's about supplying the raw material. This is why recycling is, is a lie today. Because in true recycling, if it happened, the commodity trade industry would lose trillions of dollars. So they fake what we call recycling today. Sorry, is that what you're saying? It's about controlling supply and demand. Well, it's 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 creating a demand for product that we don't need. So, like like the reference of tires, right? If you have tires that that never um, never went flat and that could be retreaded continuously, or that could be recycled into new tires, they could sell the material they needed from oil to make the rubber. See, they go into landfill continuously instead of being recycled. This is the reference about batteries and about lots of things. Yeah, you but can... that's, that's profit, brother. It's it's all yeah. set to profit. Profit and yeah, material material profit. What? So no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What he's talking about is is processing and recycling. Okay, at the end of the day, uh, those terms mean absolutely nothing, and they mean absolutely nothing because. Um, they're still generating money. So it either goes into... Well, no, 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 no. So this is where people get this misconception wrong. So when you talk about an automotive industry, you automatically think of Ford, right? No. I think of Axon and the companies that own the parts that sell their parts to Ford. Those companies lose everything if you can recycle those parts because you only need them once, not four and five times per car. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so the battery industry is the same. Like, if batteries are, which which red, uh, Redwood Materials is proving this, they are ninety five percent recyclable batteries right now. But like Panasonic don't want you to know that because Panasonic and the people who supply them their material would then pretty much go out of business after a certain amount of time because other companies are just going to mass recycle the batteries they want to keep selling brand new. Yeah, and people do that today and make uh, a hell of a lot of money when they recycle properly. Well, almost nowhere recycles properly. That, that's a new trend coming now that a lot of lobbyists are trying to stop. Well, the thing is, is no corporation is going to recycle properly. Like, why would Motorola, why would Motorola, like you're saying, a, a chip company, recycle their cell phones and their chips or whatever back into a reusable item when they would never generate revenue off of doing so. So what they do is they let it go out into the landfills. They let it go out into these big barges, out into the middle of the oceans, and they sit out there on these big barges. Now, somebody owns this barge. Somebody paid money for this barge. So now this barge is a rental. So now uh, tax dollars and all this shit and all these programs go to fund these barges or fund these landfills. Like you can go look at Africa and the computer waste that's in Africa. Go just go to YouTube, type in Africa e-waste and you'll see countries with nothing but e-waste from the 50s, 60s, 70s where it wasn't recycled properly. But on a small scale, you look at all those people from these countries, guess what? They all know how to rip open your hard drive. They all know how to release the data off of that hard drive that you saw you deleted, that you saw you deleted, right? They also know how to take all those uh, 
all those RAM chips and all those processors and extract all the gold from there through like an aqua regia process or some type of other process where now they're getting all the gold and they're the ones that are, that are recycling properly. But at the end of the day, they don't have the facility to actually recycle properly. So what they're doing financially, they're financially incentivized for it, right? Yeah. Hear me out. Don't get me wrong. Those, those places, they sell back to the industry that supplies the material. They just do it on the sly. So people don't realize how much that material gets recycled. They they do not sell it back. When you go look at e-waste, all you have to do is go to YouTube, type in Africa and e-waste and go see what these countries are doing. So what they're doing is they're taking motherboards, from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, and they're throwing them into a fire, burning all these all these toxins, all these motherboards, all of this shit, burning everything, releasing it into the atmosphere, which is killing everything. Everything. And what they're recycling is the little bit of gold that comes off of these chips, and they're harvesting the data that's left on the hard drive. So when you look at... Yeah. Skin, when you look at... So just skin, like the- there are places in China that do this. You can actually go there and buy old vintage hardboard, like mother motherboards and hard drives and stuff, where they're actually paid by bigger companies to have people manually rip the components apart, and then they take that material and they melt it down and reuse it in some companies. But they don't tell people that it's reused. They sell it as brand new as if it was mined. That happens all over the place. They do all over the place. They sell the precious... Right. I mean, I can I can go right now and harvest gold off of all of this and then sell it back to whoever I want. Yeah. Like I can go and I can scrape off these computer chips, these sensors. Uh, Look at catalytic converters. Why do you think catalytic converters are so? Yeah, it, that's because that. of the platinum that's in it. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm so, so, I I think we come to agreement, like, obviously there's not a whole lot of financial incentive to clean up toxic waste and, you know, properly. Huge business, dude. Huge business. So there is financial incentive to, like, clean up, like, the uh, Texas-sized island floating around in in the Pacific Ocean. Why? Money to be made in that. Yeah, somebody's paying rent for that shit. Who's paying for the barge? Who's paying for that shit to be flown out there? Who's paying for somebody to go out there and supervise that? Who's paying for the rights? Who's paying for the shit? So the cost that goes into it, it, it's not beneficial. You're not going to get money back is what you're saying. Who's not going to get money back? The people going out and doing all that. Like, are you going to? They're getting paid for a service. They're getting paid as a job, just like everyone else. It's just generating revenue and it's keeping the revenue. This was the reference. This was the reference made before when people turn around and they said, oh, so when you say, oh, I'll buy something and we want to buy from America, America made, everyone's like, oh, it costs too much money. It's like, yeah, but that product can be used and reused. That product can be recycled. The one from China is planned to never be recycled on purpose. Right. They don't want to. Listen, I'll give you an example. Let's take Motorola. Okay. We'll just, just take Motorola, for example. Okay. Motorola has the technology. Motorola has the science. Motorola has the funds to actually take back all their chips and recycle and reuse them properly. Motorola is not going to do this. And the reason they're not going to do this is because it does not behoove them financially. So at the end of the day, wherever their resources come from, it has to be produced as new because nobody wants refurbished. So, 
That's right, that, that's what I was saying. It's kind of the same with all the plastic waste. Like, there's no financial incentive to go out and clean all that shit up from the Pacific Ocean, as an example. Well, right? no, no, there is. There is. As you as an individual, yes, there is. So If you can innovate, if you can find a way. No, 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 no. There's technology. Like, um, you can Google... Um, there's a company in Japan, literally, dude. Uh, I believe it's a Japanese company. Um, they have a little device that they sell for, I think, 5000 US um, that you can actually take any plastic you want and it'll turn it back into like a diesel, like a crude oil. It'll turn it back into like a diesel oil. Even um, PVC? Uh, most plastics, I believe, I don't know about PVC, but they were just taking literally, they, they, there was a little machine that they had on the back of a pickup truck, uh, busted up pickup truck. And that shit was connected to like a 55 gallon drum. They do warn you. Some plastics can kill you if you use that, that process. That's why there's certain ones that are marked as please do not recycle. Right. There's certain plastics you can't recycle, unfortunately. They just are too environmentally damaging. But do you know that's do you know that's intentional? They intentionally I mean, like, yeah, engineering intentionally not to be recycled. Sometimes, it, like they need to have specific chemical and environmental resistance too. So, unfortunately, like it was made for that reason, without really the foresight of oh, that, what's this going to do in the future, right? So. Does that make sense? Sorry. Like, it's not, it's not, oh, it, yes, it's no, no, they, want they don't want it to be beaten down by the sun you, or, you know, or it can have chemicals run through it that aren't going to ruin it. Yeah. The, the reference we got was like, if you're using a washing detergent, understandably, those bottles have to be thoroughly cleaned properly. That process, instead of being cleaned, they just turn and they said, oh, it's got leach, uh, leaching issues, so we just won't recycle it. So they're, they're the issue ones. The ones that were, what I'm talking about is the way they make the plastic is so crude and so illegal that they don't care. Like, and there's literally toxins in the plastic. So what, do, is there any solution? Like, what's, what's really the fundamental problem here with a lot well, of this? So the, the big issue was that in nowhere in the world is recycling mandated at all. It's not mandatory for any company anywhere worldwide. Because there's not a whole lot of profit incentive on either end, right? Is that what we're kind well, of... Well, no, this, this is the issue we have in the world. So the commodity trade industry will always lobby against this because they are the people who supply the parts to the manufacturers. If you make recycling right. mandatory, the manufacturers and onwards make money, but the people who supply materials don't. Sure. Wait, hold on. We'll say that again. Your connection is going in and out. Uh, you. Yeah. You I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to fix it. Just while Dean comes back, did you guys hear Colin Powell died from COVID complications, fully vaccinated? Apparently, he got me Satan now. Hey, bro, you're in the matrix, bro. And another one down. Another one down. Another one. Hey, can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah, that Colin Powell. They don't know if he died uh, from COVID vaccine or if he was killed. Yeah, he knew too much. He was pretty old, though. 
Yeah, but like, who was he trying to tell? He was all he, he's all about keeping their secrets. Not only keeping their secrets, he was way, willing to lie on their behalf. Hey, he was the uh, first. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask a question after you're done. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm done. I can go on about this forever. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. So on this topic, <clears throat> did anyone do any research on the pension funds and COVID and the uh, pandemic? Meaning that the uh, world's pension funds, especially in um, um, in Europe, uh, they're depleted where there's no funds. So now um, the only way for them to get away with this would be to vaccinate everyone, making them transhumans. So now they can't go and actually uh, get payouts from the pensions, meaning that they'll never know. Um, if it's been depleted or not. So, I gather they don't have money for pension funds, but I would imagine that the easier way would go, like, I have this little thought experiment that I like to perform sometimes called, what would I do if I was a cocksucker, right? And so, what do I know? I know that... The elderly, right, the baby boomers, they're the ones with the money. And they're also the ones that are in retirement homes and chilling out right now and possibly, potentially the most at risk. It's like, if you want to go after their money, you scare the shit out of them, make them take a whole bunch of, well, take vaccines that are, I mean, considering the data, right? So not just the figment of my imagination, but... The data is showing the more vaccinated the nation is, the more people are dropping dead like flies. So, you know, I don't know. I think that would be, uh, like, why would you try to go after the little guys that don't have shit anyway? Most people don't have anything. You try to go after the people that do, and the people that do were the boomers. It wasn't the millennials. But that is just my personal little theory. Yeah, but the people that don't have anything are the, are the taxpayers. They're, they're the ones that make the, the debt wheel go and keep spinning. So this is why they've attacked it multiple vectors. Like right now, they're talking about the trucking industry being threatened, saying if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to be allowed into ports and depots. Now, they've also said this about nurses, doctors, police, all these avenues. But it, like in Australia, they've even gone and said, if you do not get the vaccine now, anyone who is currently unemployed who is on a government subsidy pension will now have their pension removed and bad luck if you die from not having any money. Your choice is get vaccinated or die, pretty much. Good question. Uh, approximately 70 million Americans will see a 5.9% increase in their social security benefits in 2022. So where is that money coming from? And this 5.9% of increase, we're talking about the last two, three decades, high, like the highest ever since 1930s or something. Uh, okay, an increase in like total wealth, assets, of the high rise of the gas prices on food and just accommodate that. They're, they're, yeah, they're trying to balance it out, but where's the money coming from? Yes, it's the fake inflation of things that, that's bullshit about a lot of this stuff. 
this is why it's, like it's kind of built into the system and i mean yeah. fractional reserve banking and debt-based economics it's kind of what we use perpetual debt well yeah well that's how that's how the what is it um there's not indentured servitude perpetual indentured servitude they want you to be in debt because that's how they make their money That's, that's why they're so scared of cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency eats away at their phantom lending, the, the process they use to lend out money they don't have to make money back that they never had in the first place. Crypto can't be taxed, brother. Crypto can be taxed under influence, but crypto cannot be manipulated in the same effort. When you double a product like a coin, it halves in value. Now, currently, they don't do that with fiat. It keeps the same value no matter how much more they print. This is how inflation works. And when it pops, that's when the bubble hits and the money can half. Sorry, let me, let me ask you this. How, how can Bitcoin be taxed unless you volunteer said? So, so th th this has already been a discussion in our country and many other countries. Anywhere that is a point-to-point -point system, so if I trade to you, that can't be taxed. But if I trade through a business, that can still be taxed. Because they have to report all that income. Now, that all comes down to um, the type of registration this business has. <laughs> business practices. <laughs> yeah, it's, trust me, there's a whole bunch of red tape they're trying to dance around now because um, many no, countries no, no. are trying to find ways to block it. And but you didn't, blocking it you, you didn't answer the question. Back. I said Bitcoin can't be taxed, and you said yes, it can. I'm still trying to figure out how it can be taxed because so it can be tracked through institutions and the value you trade is taxable. Okay. So if I trade my Bitcoin into something else and then it can be taxed, is that what you're saying? So if I, if I sell you Bitcoin directly to you, it can't be taxed. But if I transfer you Bitcoin through an exchange, the exchange has to report the transfer and that transfer is supposed to be taxable now. So, you guys say most retail have their coins are, so, are KYC coins. So most wait, money is in KYC. Wait, what was that, FOMO? Is is it's pertinent to your tax question? Would you guys say that most people have accounts that have been KYC or assets, crypto assets that are KYC and attached in terms of to their identity? I would well, say that most people at least start that way, unless they're on the other end of the spectrum in in computer sciences and actually you know, mine the shit and do, you know. So, take that code. further, Dyden. If you had to ballpark, I'm curious what the ballpark is. I couldn't give a back of the napkin math or ballpark on it. I mean, you, you could probably look at... say most? I would say most. I would say most. Yeah. I would say most people have gone the uh, KYC route because most apps and most way... Uh, most access apps um, yeah. or access points, fine. Most whatever, whatever program or platform you're cool. using is not dealing directly with crypto. Right. What they are is a third party registered with some government. Therefore, those companies need to pay taxes and fit underneath that policy. Right. But yet, so, I'm going to build on what you're saying. Okay. So, to the extent, so to the extent that that's similar to W two reporting, right? In terms of providing information. Just uh, again, provision. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got you. No, no. Let me finish the point. All right, all right. So, to the extent that it's a provision of information, it's at least provision of information. But yet, you know, I could just take my dollars out. Like, if I took my dollars out cash 
and I just held it in my mattress and no one was able to, but it's a little bit better, right? Crypto is better. You could hold it in a brain wallet. But the point is to the extent that you have any other assets that are within the sphere of, of, of being attached, real estate, bank account, um, your, your livelihood, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, that's how they get you right. Crypto cannot be directly taxed. You can't take anybody's crypto directly from them. But to the extent that these people have acts, other things going on in their life um, and don't want a criminal record uh, and don't want to lose their home or lose their bank accounts, then that's where the compulsion comes in. Well, so I, I think mean, that that's, that's the real point, right, is that it depends on where you're located. Well, no, 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 no. The, the bottom line is this. When it comes down to business, if you're a business, if you're a business and you want to accept Bitcoin or whatever crypto you want or shitcoin or whatever, you have the right to choose whatever currency you deemed proper. Now, if you choose to fill out these forms, IRS forms, listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. For all you people that are in the States, if you guys want to send me a message, I will find the code in your country. But for you motherfuckers here in the United States, here you go. Get ready. 31, baby. 31. 31. Face. CFR. Cat Frank Ralph. 31. CFR. Ready? 1.32. Google that shit. 31. CFR 1.32. And anyone who asks you for that shit, you give them that document and tell them to suck a dick. And these people have not been, not been, there's not been countless people who have tried to. Fomo, Fomo, listen, I just sent you to the United States law. I understand. To the United States code. They don't care about the law. You don't care about the code? They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Constitution. Who does Do people practically try to use that method to avoid audit or to avoid filing taxes? Do they or do they not find themselves in lawsuits? Actually, this was something we pointed out before, that it's actually illegal the way that they tax you right now in the fiat currency even. Okay, so hold on, hold on. I mean, technically, guys, it's all illegal according to the Constitution because it's taxation without representation, right? Exactly. No, 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 no. That's not true. Locally, locally not true. On the federal, on the federal scale. Yeah, 31 CFR 1.32. 31 CFR 1.32. Got it. So once I have this code, it's over. I could go and suck my dick, right? (laughs) Well, I listen. That's how I tell them because that, that code right there is a notice. And when you walk into a bank and you want to do business with people and you give them that notice and they molest, trespass, or discriminate you, that's the law. That's not an opinion. That's the law. What's the other form banks fill out? Like when you deposit money, CRT, some shit? All right. Well, I'm not a, I'm not a bank and I don't know what they fill out. So I don't know. Okay. I, I know what forms I fill out. Uh-huh. Okay. I've got, I've got, got you, brother. Thank you. I've got 31 CFR 1.3 open. No, 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 no. 1.32, the use and disclosure of the social security. I will give it to you verbatim if you would like. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it now. All right. So an individual shall not be denied, and this is under the Privacy Act of the Office of the Secretary of the Treasury. Okay. An individual shall not be denied any right, benefit, or privilege provided. Individual is defined as what? Uh, U.S. citizen or alien, okay. 
An individual will not be denied any right, benefit, or privilege provided by a law by a component because of such individual's refusal to disclose to Social Security. The provisions of paragraph A shall not apply with respect to any disclosure which is required by federal law or the disclosure of a Social Security number to any federal, state, or local agency maintaining a system of records. Um, request for disclosure on Social Security. Any component, component, what's a component? means a bureau or office of the Department of Treasury. So any part of the Treasury which requests an individual to disclose his or her Social Security number shall form that individual whether the disclosure is mandatory or voluntary, by what statutory or other authority such number is solicited, and what uses will be made of it. So you're saying that uh, you can deny people uh, your Social Security unless there's another law that requires you to provide it. How do we use that? They fixed that law in 2011. There's a law in place verbatim that states that it is property that you adhere to with cryptocurrency. Therefore, property is taxable in any state or government around the world. Okay, okay, hold on a second. Where, where does that law come out of? That, that, that's being promised everywhere in the world. This is why they fucked us up uh, here no, in no, 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 no. It, it, it comes out of somewhere. So let's just... Can we let's stick with 132, oh. or we have now. Okay, let's stick one with it. Okay, so I'm asking you, Inf, uh, huh? how how do you how do you apply this in your in your day to day life to you know prevent overreach? Well, me personally, I just give people a notice. So let's say I have uh, a bank account. Uh -huh. uh, when I walked in there to get a bank account, um, they wanted for me to apply my social um, to said application. Um, once I put my zero, 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 zero down, the agent looked at me like I was crazy. Once the agent looked at me like I was crazy, I handed him a notice. And in this case, it's actually a legal notice. So it's the notice, it's the code, and it's also uh, been notarized, making it a legal document, making it legally witnessed. Okay, so now this is a legal document. It's a notice, more like an, aff like an affidavit type of thing, an affirmation, okay? So when I hand you, as an agent, this notice, that is not an opinion. I didn't give you an illegal opinion. You can go right to the Social Security Administration and pull this code off, and it says the same thing, right? So when I give you this legal notice, go look up that definition, you better comply legally. So usually what happens is the agent, hopefully he's competent enough, he'll walk right to the back, talk to his legal department, and you know what happens? There's a process. So you gotta go along with the process. Now, me personally- do business, huh? They have to do business because if they don't, it's discrimination. Oh damn! How would you do that? How would you do that on an exchange? That okay. Num so. Number Thanks. one. Okay. Just just guys, 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 guys I don't know. Banks can discriminate. They're not part of. They're not part of Title Seven. Wait, Banks, that's fine, guys. It's it's the USA Patriot Act. That's that's the issue. Okay, beautiful. I love that. Who said that? Just so I know your name. Bitcoin bloodbath. All right, Bitcoin bloodbath. Check this out. I need you to go look up a code. Ready? UCC space nine three zero seven. I don't care what website you go to. UCC nine dash three zero seven. Scroll down to the letter H, and I'm going to tell you like this: You are not part of the United States, homeboy. So that code you could throw in the garbage. <laughs> Yeah. UCC, UCC, people. Let's go to it. Let's go. UCC 9-307. Scroll down to the letter. Let's go, FOMO. We need the legal department in this. 
So hold on. Motherfuckers better watch it. Uh, no. Take notes, motherfuckers. Take so, notes. Well, I have a question. No, this is great. This is actually great. Uh, I have a question. Like, is this the, does this also apply to the IRS? Like, if you never claimed hey, yo, the IRS listen. and never gave them your social and all that information. <laughs> okay, number one, number one. Okay. Let's just go to UCC 9-307. FOMO, can you read that for us, please, so these motherfuckers understand something real quick? Sure, but the UCC is the Uniform Commercial Code. The Unified Commercial Code, yes. Uniform, Uniform Commercial Code. And it's it's, uh, something that applies to secure transactions and other things. It's passed in a lot of states. Anyway, so 9, you said 9, I have it open. 9-307, the UCC, Unified Commercial Code. Part nine is for secure transactions, so mortgages, liens, loans. Okay. Yeah. All right. Three hundred seven says, interestingly enough, location of debtor. Yeah, there it is. That's the one. Yeah. Location of debtor under H. It says, "This is this is interesting." The United States is located in the District of Columbia, but where are we in this? (laughs) Okay. So listen. So let, let me let me let's 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 break this down for you, brother. Let's break this down. The United States, right? Is located in the District of Columbia. Okay, stop right there. Just stop right there. Just stop right there. Okay, now, the United States for America, I use the word for, not lightly, I'm using it exactly. The United States for America, okay, is located on the North American continent. The United States for America consists of 50 republic states. My question now is Washington D.C. a state? No, it is not. Okay, 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 okay. So now, what? Neither Washington- is Vatican City or the fucking. Well, we're just talking about the United States right now. We're just talking about the United States, right? So the United States is basically, literally and legally, an office located in Washington, D.C. means they own that shit. It's theirs. It's like an alien spaceship. It belongs to them. It's not part of the United States of or for America. So now, I just told you where the United States is located in law, right? So now, when we talk... Hold on. But we, you can't you can't generalize that, Envy. This has to do with secure transactions. It's a statute that exists unto itself. Well, you know man. what I mean? Aren't you? You don't think that you're an insurance policy? You don't think the United States is a business? You don't think everything in government is a business? I'm not you going there. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is what happens here. But I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it, I don't, I'll let you go where you're going to go. Go for it. No, no, no. Please ask your questions because th- this I'm, is. I just think it's important that we remember, like, you cannot piece things from one statute with another statute to sort of, like, make an argument. That's not a statute. Hold on. That's not a statute. That is a that, statute. That's it's a definition. Statute. It's a definition. But, it's, it's, but the definition is, is, a, is a provision in the statute. No. If you go yes. look in the section, if you go look in the section you are, it's a definition of terms. Meaning a definition, right. just like but any dictionary. But, but statute reference nine three zero one is a statute reference. Uh, we're and not at within, nine three zero one. We're at nine three zero one H. No, we're at nine three zero seven, and you scroll down to H. Sorry, sorry, I'm with you. Nine three nine three zero seven H is that not a section reference from the secure transactions part of the Uniform Commercial Code? Correct. Now let me ask you this. So Do does you, it, hold on? Are there definitions? Does one definition in one part of statute necessarily mean that it can be read in conjunction with all different statutes? Yeah, find it. Yeah, so 
No, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying, but the thing is this: you're not going to find the reference because the only place, and trust me when I tell you, the only place you're going to find that definition is right there where you just looked. Like, if I need to explain to you the birth certificate, hold on. If I need to explain the birth certificate, you know what the birth certificate is? Go ahead. Do you know what it is? I'm curious what you're going to say. Because of course I know the DNA. So the birth certificate, listen to this. The birth certificate is a bond, right? So now when you take that birth certificate, which is a bond, a deed, a title, whatever, you can now make it into a secure document, a secure thing, okay? That's where you would fit into your UCC-9. So now when you secure something and we're doing this legally, now we need to define where the legal entity stands. So when we're talking about the United States as a legal entity, it is located, housed, possessed, and officed in Washington, D.C. So whenever we look at these policies, the contract of the United States, we have to keep in mind that it has nothing to do with any state. Washington, D.C. is not a state. It's not a republic. It's a de facto business operating in bankruptcy, acting as a government, playing you. Because you're unlettered and you can't read. Because it just told you the definition of the United States. Sorry, the location of the United States is located in Washington, D.C. That is not an opinion. It is a fact. So if you're not located in Washington, D.C., nothing that says United States pertains to you. Would we be considered property yes. in the United States? Yes. You want to know so where you find that? I'll tell you where you find that, too. Right? So you're saying the federal government has no yeah. jurisdiction. Listen, the federal jury, listen, jurisdiction. Buddy, let's talk about jurisdiction. Okay. Sure. Okay. The word law, L-A-W. It stands for jurisdiction. Now, on this globe, and I don't care, matter of fact, on this planet, we got some flat earthers in here. All right, so look, on this fucking so-called planet Earth, we have only three jurisdictions. Three. Ready? Remember, L-A-W, land, air, water, law. That is your law. Your jurisdiction. So when you go to the Supreme Court, it's the law of the land. Supreme Court. When you're in another municipality courthouse, like a kangaroo court, people, Google kangaroo court. When you're in a kangaroo court, you're in what's called admiralty maritime jurisdiction. You're playing out there in commerce, meaning that there needs to be a... So what is the contract? The contract is your social contract, right? Aren't you a part of a social contract? Because I'm not. 